Let me oh, just just, sure just to ask the question. Sometimes, yeah. and especially because I have had uh, two beers today, and they're twelve percent uh-huh. alcohol volume beers. What mm. is the level of swearing that I am allowed to do? Because I go can crazy. try to turn it down. No, go crazy. It's fine. Yeah, like don't call people. Don't don't be like, hey, this person's like. But generally, I swear a lot, so it's Welcome to the Gossip Stone Podcast, where we cover the Ocarina of Time Randomizer. We focus primarily on racing and the competitive scene, as well as various other related topics for the community as a whole. I am Chimpan Reeve, delighted to be here again, and forever with me is Emo Soda. Say hello, Emo. Wow. Well, I've been uh, well and truly... Well, hey, hey, oh. uh... <laughs> Uh, hello, hello. Uh, this is Emo Soda. How's it going, everyone? Um, I was just grabbing my second beer out of the fridge, so oh. it genuinely right, so... sounded like you just walked in from like a night out. I've just been oh, sitting yeah. there talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so he, hey, he, uh, yeah, he was here. I'm here, guys. Now that we've Hagrid ass emo here, uh, <laughs> no, we've dragged emo back from the pub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're it's fine here. We're we're having fun, you know. It's let me check the weather out here. We're not having fun yet. We've just started. It's right now. Okay. It's it's ninety degrees, a high of ninety three, with a low of fifty two. It's gonna be one of those episodes. Anyway, low. thankfully we have guests to help carry me in, uh, on this one. Uh, we have Shiro Elliot. Sorry, Shiro, I've never actually said your full name out loud, so I don't know if that's a, the correct pronunciation. Um, I'll take anything at this point. Don't worry w- about it. <laughs> it I just say Shiro. I've never actually said it out loud. Now that I've said it out loud live on a podcast, I feel awful if it's wrong. Um, and and we just, have, but don't worry. And we have Adobe Digital, which obviously I've said wrong on purpose. We have Dobby Digital with us. Hello, hello. Just so I could butcher both of those. Um, and today we're going to talk about Glitches and DDR and a whole host of other things, including community tournament updates and more DDR and more glitches. So it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a glitchy episode. Well, I mean, in terms of like the uh, content that we're covering, but hopefully everything goes okay in terms of uh, actually recording it and uploading it and you know, all the good stuff. But, um, but yeah, glitches and awkward of time. Uh, so how many glitches are there? Yes. That's the appropriate <laughs> answer. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, so we'll be talking about time, a glitch um, Let's start just by discuss, discussing glitches in general uh, in the game. So what is the first Ocarina of Time glitch that you remember seeing? Or actually performing yourself, possibly? 
Um, so personally, on my end, um, I come from mostly a bingo background for the vanilla OOT. So like I, I, I started really learning the big five for that. Uh, uh, Infinite Sword Glitzer, ISG, Forest Escape, uh, Bottom of the Well, Choose Early, Dot Skip, and RBA were the, are the, basically the five main ones you want for uh, bingo. Um, but in terms of, of the first glitch I did that I recognized as a glitch, um, later on, when I was a kid, I actually went, was going down collapse, uh, and, uh, I was going to like walk off one of those, the spots where there's a ledge and, and then you drop down and I got hit by a rock just as I was about to go off the edge. And I was equipping hover boots to go and, um, and, and to go and cross the gap. And, uh, for, for reasons that I had no idea at the time, I just went zipping along ridiculously far and had absolutely no idea what happened and it's only like now that i'm like oh yeah i accidentally did a hover boost cool it's actually pretty awesome yeah as far as the yeah. first glitch goes yeah that must have been <laughs> quite something so, oh thankfully i landed on the platform i was intending so i wasn't like mad about it or anything it was just <laughs> it worked out i mean um what, what about you sure uh, I don't think I'm as exciting. Um, I spent a lot of time in early Twitch days watching Narcissa, formerly known as Cosmo, um, mm -hmm. when she was doing all of the Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker speedruns. So I actually come more from the speedrunning background rather than bingo, watching any percent runs. And I had actually put my N64 away in the garage, and I got so invested in this. I'm like, I'm going to take my N64 out. I don't know what version my cartridge is. Turned out it to be a 1.2 because um, I had spent months looking on the internet of like, what does the numbers on the back of my cartridge mean? <laughs> but I yeah. had no support whatsoever from anyone and sat two inches in front of my t TV trying to forest escape um, from Pokey. <laughs> so it took hours and hours and hours just to... Like what? Like, wedge myself away out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's how like most glitches. I feel like go oh, like it's hours and hours poured into it. Ah, I got one. I got one. I got. I did it. <laughs> just like yes. you do that for like a week, and then like you get more consistent at it, and you know, it just feels great doing it. But mm -hmm. um, it's kind of how I got into randomizer itself uh eventually if you trace it back far enough yeah i did the same thing watched a lot of those same streams so i was i was right there too but um really i mean really is it how i got into rando was really just zfg but <laughs> watch one of his nonsense runs i was like i can do that <laughs> hey i should do that too um but as far as glitches go the first one i did was isg uh i just watched it and i was like oh, i can do that boom and I was like, oh, okay, I'll jump into the well, too. Oh, that was stupid. <laughs> and I just turned it off. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so that was like pre-Rando, before Rando was a thing. I was like, maybe I can speed run this game. Nah, that's way too hard. <laughs> yeah, I got to the wrong warp in Deku. I'm like, nah, bro, this is, this, this is it for me. Like, I got this far, put the N64 back in the garage, stare at the controller this... for years. Like, <laughs> so sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. Well, yeah. I mean, like, was that before or after, like, the good, the quote-unquote good setup was found? <laughs> oh, way before. This had yeah. to have been at least, like, eight so, like, years ago. <laughs> You watch a video, there's no controller inputs. It's just like yep. a t like a camera pointed at a fucking TV. And yes. it's just like, just do this. 
forehead? Yep. Like, yeah, okay. It's probably a sea sure. abstract, too. You're like, yeah, look around yeah. on this globe on the wall. <laughs> yeah, just well, look over here. What, what's the ESS? Like, what is this? What are they talking about? What's an adapter? How expensive is this? I'm in college. I don't have money to buy this shit. Yeah, it, exactly. Uh, what about you, Chimto? Um, Probably the same as Shiro, to be honest, in terms of... Uh, the early Narcissa runs, but back in the day, I was like, "Man, speedrunning is cool. I wonder what's uh, what's the cool speedrunning game." And then I discovered speedruns live, and at the top of the page would always be uh, Narcissa right on uh, Ocarina of Time. And the first one I saw was the wrong warp. Ironically, I was like, "Ah, what the fuck just happened?" Because <laughs> I work in, I actually work in quality assurance, so I'm quite used to bugs and glitches and stuff. But when I saw that, I was like, "Hang on, what?" What the hell? And then I discovered that there was actually one in the game that my company was making at the time. I was like, oh shit. That's a, it's a glitch. <laughs> I should, I should probably glitch. report this. Um, She's a witch. I mean, it's a glitch. <laughs> <laughs> Burn the glitch. But uh, uh, strange because a lot of a lot of games I've played as a kid, I never really uh sorry, I I used to find the odd bug in the games I was playing, but for some reason Ocarina of Time, despite it being an absolute mess. Um, with unlimited glitches, I think is the answer that Dobby mentioned earlier of how many glitches there are. Um, yeah. yes. I never really managed to break Ocarina of Time, but probably because I wasn't trying. And to be fair, it wasn't. I was only seven at the time, so I can't really remember. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's not like Donkey Kong 64. You're not just running against a certain wall. Like, True. Yeah. You look at the, uh, look at the N64, screen. Fine. I mean, oh, so you have to put a little bit more effort into, but not a whole lot. I mean, there's a lot of broken stuff that you can just do with the right inputs so we'll to be talking about a lot about that today on today's episode uh talking about the ddr rule set um uh, but before then let's go get back to the community tournament update there's a lot of just stuff happening um so of course we'll be talking about dungeon door requirement rule set and the tournament that recently happened uh both with shiro and dobby here but before then um uh, some tournaments that wrapped up, uh, Pictionary for through the Silver Gauntlets Discord. Uh, how did that go, Jim? Good fun. Uh, very good fun. Shira, were you, were you in that one in particular? The most I recent you... one, I would I did not, unfortunately. Right, yeah. Um, so I knew you did the marathon. I wasn't sure if you joined the, the race, but the race itself was mm-hmm. uh, very good. Ironically, all of the settings that TJ and folks chose to, to change this one, none of them were relevant. They added cows, they added uh I can't remember what else. There was like three settings that they added, and all three of them were completely garbage. They weren't needed at all. And mm-hmm. I think Mel Melrose finished drawing for me at like an hour twenty because it was, was just re- it was just basically a jet seed. I was like, oh well, whoops. <laughs> Bring back skulls like- next time. Make the drawings more perfect. Do you like add flair at that point? Like, well, what just, I did watch. the first one, what I did, I just like I just started drawing soccer players for Melrose to guess based on oh. their image. <laughs> um, but uh, nice. this time, Mel was draw- drawing inspirational quotes. You know, from, oh, from nice. Link. Or you, or you can like play Hangman. Like you can do a lot of stuff. There's a lot of uh, nah, but Hangman. Stuff. Hangman takes away my wonderful execution you know i've got i can't focus on my execution skills if i've 
Let's play hangman. I could do a lot of things while I do it, my execution here in this game, but I'm I don't want to know what you were going to talk about there. <laughs> um, anyway, there was uh, the ZSR Marathon Pictionary race that I mentioned, and Shiro, you were in that one. How did that go? It was a lot of fun. Um, I know that Pictionary has been getting a lot of speed, and I'm very thankful that Trez chose the Pictionary for the randomizer community, um, which Dobby commentated with Mel, which was super fun. And it's hilarious because for the longest time Trez had on the website, we're going to have uh, Shiro, TJ, Dotso, and a special guest. And the special guest was who actually is able to commit to this time frame because we went through three people that were um, doing other activities and they had double booked themselves with a lot of tournaments because the community is very busy right now. Um, but we ended up having Danny uh against Dotso as runners which was super fun and Danny hasn't actually played OOT in like three and a half weeks before the marathon so while he is very well known for speed running um specifically he was grinding the any percent route the newest one uh he had quite a lot to try and remember and also on top of that the randomizer specific things so all the praise to T T did an amazing job drawing for him and I got to make Dotso do collection delay for an hour and a half while we just watched him collect skulls. But it's all for so charity. Good. So it went well. At least I hope so. I don't know, Davi, you commentated it. How much of a dumpster fire was it? It was amazing. Uh, it was it was hilarious seeing both of you guys because there was there was a, a, a donator that said, oh, yeah, for every skull that's collected, I'll donate one dollar. And it was hilarious seeing both of the of the um, uh, both of the like people drawing, then going through and being and trying to uh, tell that to the runner via drawing. <laughs> we had like some skulls plus money. Skull it was, dollar. It was also super fun on on our end for commentating because we had lots to comment on in terms of glitches, but we also had to some fun trying to figure out what the just what the drawings were. Um, we had some beautiful drawings. I would recommend checking it out. It's on YouTube uh, if you want to check out the, the beautiful drawings. Mm -hmm. And this was no yeah. logic, right? Correct. Correct. It was a, all sanity, no logic as well. Oh, and all dungeons, too. That incentive has been met, which was amazing because we were on the first day. And we had a $750 incentive to change from six dungeons to nine dungeons. And it was met before we even started the race. Uh, so that was amazing to raise so much money for this amazing charity. I think it was over $11,000 that went to Pank One. Uh, so huge props to the ZSR community for supporting such a great cause. Amazing. That's a massive amount. Probably took about 11,000 hours as well. Uh, I think it was 76 or 78 hours total. Um but yeah, and being on the restreamer side this year too was so fascinating. There's a lot that goes into it. I mean, I don't know how Trez does it. He he was up for almost every single race those three days. Bless that man. Then he slept for a week. No, we we wish he'd sleep for a week. He barely sleeps yeah. at all. <laughs> it was also hilarious because I because because I saw that like he was uh, doing the restream stuff for that, and then I watched the I wasn't able to watch it live unfortunately, but I watched the Twilight Princess run, and I'm like, wait, Trez is also doing all of the commentary for this with someone else too. But I'm like, wow. Yeah, he loves that game too much. But he should really sleep on the stream. Uh, Trez to sleep. 
Glitch, yeah, glitch, Trez, glitchy Trez and bad sleep enough for Trez him. does a lot and gets no credit for it. So shout outs to Trez, actually. I know he's oh, just yeah, on I the last episode. I wouldn't say no credit. I think I think Trez gets a good amount of credit and he knows it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I like him and I want him back, but um fuck it. Shout out to Trez. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to ZSR for raising over eleven thousand dollars over such a short period of time. So Fantastic. great, great awesome. charity marathon that hopefully will be back yearly now. Uh, we also had the Blitz tournaments, sixty-nine piece Triforce hunts. Um, it was on multi world, wasn't it? Yeah, it was multi world. Blitz. I don't even know what this was. Do you? Do you know what that was? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just that. It was a multi-world 69-piece Triforce hunt. Bit of a meme, I guess, in terms of... The, I mean, the, the I'm looking at the challenge link, and it says challenge.com slash nice69. Yeah. So you tell me <laughs> if that's a meme. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but... It, it, it went... It came and, by, it came and went quite quickly. Um, I don't think there were too many teams in this one. Um, Four teams? But, yeah, but the Snack Pack... Uh, strong team of Mr. Mario, Mr. Martin, and Cola uh, managed to, to pick up the win on that one. So GG to them. Nice. And then there was the DDR Blitz tournament, um, which our two guests might know a little bit more about. Oh, yes. Uh, so shout outs to Cubs for pushing this forward. Um, Blitz has still been going strong. They have done several different types of tournaments, like the Triforce Hunt one. And um, I had been bugging him about potentially doing a DDR one. So technically, this is the second Blitz tournament. Um, but to no surprise of anyone, spoiler alert, uh, Sage has won. So we had, I think, uh, six entrants, if I remember correctly, which mm -hmm. is not that bad. Um, considering our main tournament was quite small also, which we'll talk about later. But it went as as it should in a blitz tournament very quickly and congrats to our our savior sage who has won all of our tournaments thus far someone please take him down <laughs> yo spoilers hey you don't have me playing in your tournaments yet i mean i can take him down i've i've taken him down playing standard dude, we actually so have can... emo have. come come back and play with us we've been waiting for you <laughs> i'm the true king of ddr i just have to play uh, wow you get DDR wrong. guests on and you're claiming to be the true <laughs> no. king? Jesus. I mean, he's not wrong. We actually mentioned yeah. email at least once of Restream because he did, like, you you did literally beat us emo um, playing standard in a DDR yep. race. Yeah. So I, I literally did it to prove a point to everyone that DDR is accessible. It's not this, like, pie in the sky, like, fucking learn 50 glitches rule set. No. It is, it is randomizer. First and foremost, but you have the flexibility of using glitches and for routing purposes has a lot of effect on things. So um, while you can use stuff like bomb slides, stuff like, I don't know, ISG that saves time, that can also lose you time if you're not that great at the setup to begin with. So if you just use good randomizer concepts, uh, for routing, for for whatever, uh, you can definitely get ahead of the, the the pack here. For anybody that's new to the DDR rule set, like it's uh, that, that, it's, I kind of use that as a sticking point. For most DDR races, I think I've always played on standard, and I've always come in like top half at least. So, to anyone that thinks it's not 
accessible. I, I just really want to hammer in this point of like, you can literally play standard and do well in these tournaments. So um, don't let that be like a, an excuse for you to not join these because these are fun. They're still randomizer tournaments, right? So we do a lot of different settings than typical standard, um, like NAEU weekly oh, yeah. and even S5 too. So if nothing else, it's a more tamer version of RSL. Uh, mm-hmm. but still it's all it's different settings you can try something new yep yeah it has a different pace to it that, that's the biggest difference i think for me uh, is the pace of the randomizer so in general kind of going on a tangent here but in most standard seeds weekly settings league settings what have you uh, scrub settings i kind of all put them under the same umbrella right they all kind of play around the same few differences here and there in terms of settings differences but um basically there there are expected plays there are a lot of different things you can do but you know it it, it just the the options to do different things in ddr is really where it's at in my opinion but again we'll get into the more of the uh ddr main tournament as well um but the currently ongoing tournaments as well in the community here Again, we are quite busy. Uh, we have Season 5 coming up here. Uh, that is coming soon. Uh, we will go more in-depth in a future episode, probably two to three episodes from now, I would guess, uh, is when uh, we'll be in the thick of it for qualifiers. But uh, And once settings are finalized, no announcement on that yet. So we're still just kind of waiting on that. But um, besides that, we got the Multi-World Season 2 tournament that is still happening. Uh, a lot faster in terms of the Swiss uh, qualifying rounds for bracket. Uh, but we are down to the grand final still. It is Team Dad, Drew, Alex, and Decker qualified dads, fathers themselves. Uh, they're not actually fathers, it's just mostly a meme. Um, but versus uh, Team Salt and Pepego, uh, however you want to say that word. I don't. Is there a really standard way to say Pepego? I guess. I can only comment on the DDR way of saying it, not the standard way. Mm? What? Hey, what's up? You can't leave us hanging like this, Dobby. Oh, oh. Uh, I would also pronounce it Pepega. They happen oh, to be what? the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, am I, I thought you were going to come up with some weird, like, French, <laughs> oh, Pepega. But no. Uh, it's I mean, a, uh, Pepega. Oh God! Please don't ever bring that to D and swear to God. Uh, no speaking the language of the heavens, dude. Uh, <laughs> we got Felix one shot and Rock Chalk uh, facing against Team Dad, Drew, Alex, and Dagger. I think currently, right now, Game Two is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, game One, Dad won pretty convincingly, but uh, again, these two te- these two teams in this tournament have been really kind of unstoppable. Salt and Pepega just haven't actually lost a single game in six rounds of Swiss and brackets until the grand finals against Dad. So if that doesn't say that they're a strong tournament or a, a strong team, I don't know what, what does really. But um, yeah, that's uh, it's happening right now. We got Scrubs Season 3 getting towards the end of it. Uh, most groups have played the winner's finals. I'm uh, just kind of wrapping it up. Co-op Season 2. Also still happening, the group's wrapped up, and the brackets will be starting soon, so keep an eye on that in the Silver Gauntlets Discord um, for more details on that. Uh, <laughs> just as an aside, so sad I'm not, I'm not in that tournament still. 
Oh, uh, just did I mention no, how I no. how I uh, what what happened there? I think you did, but not on goss not on the gossip stuff. Oh so. god. I So I was in the topmost room of spirit. Uh we were actually ahead of the other team, did not know that at the time, but um basically I I was about, I was pushing the spirit um mirrors right to get the thing to shine down so I can lower the platform to get to Twinrova. It was my, I think, fifth out of six dungeon that I needed. I needed one more after that. But it was basically like, I'm done. I'm in go mode. We're going to win, probably, unless they finish right now. And I was like, oh, wait, but I want to check the map chest because I didn't check that. So I entered the topmost room in spirit. I get the chest. I kill the Stelphos. I walk toward the first mirror. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. I have to get a fire source out. I have fire arrows and dins. I pause, uh-huh. immediately equip dens, unpause, immediately use dens. No. Oof. And I crash the game and I'm like, five second delay, like brain delay. I'm like, uh, wait a sec. Uh, Toad, I just. <laughs> Toad, I just crashed the game. <laughs> Toad, <laughs> tenacious Toad is just like, what? <laughs> it's like <laughs> now I have to repeat it, just like killing my soul in the process. I'm just like, no, nah, I, I just crashed. I just used dens and top of spirit. Just it happened, man. I just don't. I don't know what happened. I, I click. My thumbs are too big sometimes, so like I use a C stick on the GameCube controller. Sometimes oh. it does the wrong direction. Ooh. So yeah, it also snaps back too. I've had that yep. happen before. Yep. Oh, oh, emo, that sucks. I, uh... Uh, I don't care because I was I was gonna be too busy anyway with all these other things happening. So I'm kind of glad we don't have to play that tournament. But <laughs> but either way, uh, yeah, I did <laughs> I did reload and then all the spirit was lost and all of forest was before that was also lost. Oh, that's so I had to redo all of forest. That's a and big oof. When I was midway through Forest, uh, the other team VC crashed, so we just had to stop and just chill out for 15 minutes, and then I had to redo Forest, and then <laughs> like, oh wow, we lost by a, forest. a little bit less than the FPA uh, was amounted to. So uh, if I didn't have to do Forest again, we would have won. But anyway, Co-op Season Two is still happening. Uh, but we also have a, a unique tournament happening, a Francophone tournament. Do you know anything about that, Jim? I mean, it's... I don't know what that means exactly, but it's just a tournament happening in the French Discord, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's basically like a settings draft tournament, um, similar to the Multiworld, um, how the Multiworld tournament did it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's ultimately, it's a, it's a settings draft French-only or French speaking only tournament, I guess. Yeah, um, I uh, but... I just googled francophone as a as a word, and it says adjective French speaking, a summit of francophone countries. <laughs> it's the Google uh, example, I guess, and then noun a person who speaks French. So what the hell is eligible to join? He's still in it. Yeah, he's um, in his finals against Cariosa. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there are still Jesus a few Christ. other people to go. Icola, Keizo, Ryukane, uh, Cybru, Alex, and Gogeta are still involved in that tournament. So 
that one's wrapping up. I've not really seen too much of it. I have seen a few people stream it, um, but I've not been keeping too much attention to it. This might be a hot take, but I think what's the point of having this tournament? Why not just have a karaoke? So what the hell is one v one invitational in the first place, and just scrap the whole tournament? Well, <laughs> now, <laughs> what, what's fired. the point? What's the point of having all? Because Mark is not even in it, so is it even a real Franco Fern tournament? Like, I mean, I look, I'm not going to discount Ryu Kane because we all know what Ryu Kane did in season four. So. Sure, sure. And Icola's been absolutely storming it up recently. So, whilst mm. I have obviously a lot of admiration for Karyosa and what the hells, I think there are a lot of talented French runners. I'm going to be the diplomat in the scenario. Um, and yeah, just because that's the winner's finals doesn't mean that's going to be the finals. So, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm conditioned to be against French people in the Randomizer community. It's not, it's not nothing personal, it's nothing nationalistic, I swear. Uh, it's simply, I had like a billion people approximately in my league group that were all French and I beat them all. Um, and I only lost because another American made a bigger mistake than me. So really just, uh, how you write it up here, but, um, don't know where I'm going with that, but (laughs) just, I gotta, Um, I gotta be number one, baby. I gotta be number one. And that was Inosa's last obstacle. appearance on the Gossip Stone podcast. There's just another obstacle in my way. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> no, <laughs> not the French mafia. No, 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 no. You're gonna just get me with a baguette. Uh, uh, Faut uh, dormir avec les poissons. Fuck. Sure. <laughs> don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to move on exceptionally quickly. Uh, and okay. The Speed Gaming Live tournament is underway. Um, yep. Star, who a lot of people know in the community, is, has been organizing and hosting a lot of that. Brackets are underway, and the finals are next weekend. Um, be able to check that out on their own Discord. Um, not the biggest fan of the settings personally, but uh, there's a lot of hype competition. Um, so, you know, best of luck to everyone involved in that one. There is an actual prize pool, which is unique to. Uh, Ocarina of Time randomizer tournaments, so that's that's pretty hype. Um, and yeah, hopefully someone wins a nice tasty prize. I know last time it was Sponge, I think won. Um, beat what the hell's happened in the finals, if I recall. Yeah. Um, so just bigger picture here in terms of this tournament. Um, I made the brackets. Just uh, that was cool. <laughs> I don't know. That's my the first brackets I've really like earned quote unquote really in the long while. So um, I'm just glad that the qualifiers went well enough and I squeaked in there on points. My friend Tiris uh, missed out on 0.5 points uh, for 30 seconds. So uh, it sucks a lot, but uh, it's qualifiers. So just looking at the top 32 here though, uh, for the SGL tournament, a lot of hype behind this tournament. We had a lot of lot of practice leading up to it. Uh, really just a lot of races in general with these settings. A lot of players really have responded positively to the, uh, what is it, Stonebridge and GCBK Lax uh, for the medallions. So I don't know. I, I think this has a lot of actual potential for potential season six settings even, not even season five, but... Nah. Um, I, I think it's something that should be taken a look at actually seriously. Like it, 
something derivative of this is there there's a lot of potential behind it like the the hype behind it has just been so insane like even if you take away the money aspect i think people are just hype about these settings i don't know about you but i've heard the complete opposite <laughs> really <laughs> to be, really to be perfectly honest a lot of the people i speak to are like yeah i'm in it but the settings suck what were there like uh i i guess real criticisms of it um, the fact that Light Medallion is now basically completely redundant. It's always been that way. No, because of the, like typically, Light Medallion leads towards your 6 med reward, right? So even if it doesn't do anything directly, you still need to do the Light Medallion dungeon for your 6 meds. But now boring, it's literally though. just a dead dungeon, and there's, not, there's no reason to want to do Light Medallion at all, so kind of kills that off. It's still a dungeon, though. Still a dungeon, but if that dungeon is like forest, then no one's ever going into light medallion forest anytime soon, are they? At least for me as a competitor, um, I don't know. I, I think that was a little bit less of a, a actual problem, uh, more of just a feature of, of how it kind of worked. It really just, for me, it mitigated a lot of the risk and RNG that randomizer a lot of the time has, especially in a competitive sense. Um, and I say that wholeheartedly after losing to Sponge in my first bracket match, uh, basically due to a hint. I lost 15 minutes behind him, but, you know, we both played really well. It was close the whole way, and I don't really have any regrets. It was just, uh, yeah, I just didn't find a hint. That was uh, the story in Season 4. So, personally, uh, a little bit of PTSD, but... Um, I guess your only regret is that you went against someone from France, right? Uh, well, Sponge. Sponge obviously, you would, have, you would have smashed them. That's, oh that's, yeah, that's French person. I know how they. I know how they play, man. I know how they. <laughs> they all play the same. They all like. You know, you can take offense to that if you want to, but they literally all play the same. So you can tell in a one v one format, you can totally take advantage of that, unless you they heard, change how they play. They're, you heard you it can, first. Hey, you want to be a French person? Just DM me. <laughs> oh, I heard you do. If you want to be a French person, yeah, that's what I heard. If you want to be French, let me know, <laughs> and I'll stomp you into the ground. Yeah, I, we got a way to get you to France, so don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, not to get too big on a tangent. Um, I don't know. A lot of, I guess, divisive opinions on SGL. I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a huge. I'm pretty biased myself, and. Anyway, we'll we got RSL uh, happening as well. <laughs> so we got... I think socks uh, are always awful. Just put that out there. No matter what your format. What is? Settings in general. Setting. Everyone has a different eh. opinion. Yeah, I mean, especially for uh, random settings. Uh, everyone has a most favorite and least favorite. So that's why... Please get rid of Triforce Hunt. No Triforce Hunt ever. I thought it was plentiful. <laughs> didn't like. I don't like both of them together. Um, but if if I had to choose between the two, I would live with Plentiful. I just absolutely hate Triforce Hunt. See, I'm the opposite. Eh, I mean, there you go. Difference of opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. So imagine that conversation, right? Multiplied by like 30 to 50. So as an organizer, uh, I had to help wade through the discussion, not only from the past few weeks, but also in July when we talked about this and before then. And we, when we did another poll recently as well. Um, but we got the season four weights uh, agreed upon. We made a few decisions as a committee. 
as organizers. Um, in terms of the the actual changes for season four going forward, at least initially, always up for debate and change. But uh, season four is now underway for the league portion. Three months of play. Uh, you just need three finishes for the brackets. And uh, belated cr- congratulations as well to the season three winner, Rob Dog. We'll be going over that a little bit more in detail, to say the least, on the next episode of the Gossip Stone podcast. But um, season four, yeah, if you want to join, we have three months basically to do three races. Uh, we got the rated asyncs. If you want to do um, a few things, uh, you know, according to your own time schedule, that's totally cool. Uh, we're very accommodative of, uh, of that as well. Uh, and if you uh, play DDR or standard, uh, feel free to play the normal asyncs. Uh, there's a whole async sheet that I set up in the Discord server and the one of the RSL channels for the asyncs. So make sure you check that out if you are interested. And, uh, you know, DM me, DM me, DM any of the, of the organizers if you... Uh, are thinking of joining. Uh, we we especially love New Blood, and uh, each season has gotten bigger. So really, we're just uh, looking for more people to join, and uh, we're excited to just play in more random settings. So, um, also, no logic November. Now that it's November, um, we got a qual this weekend. Uh, I think that already happened yesterday or today. It was earlier uh, today. Yeah. Yeah, today. And we also that they use the no I am wrong warp set rule set. Um, so it's a little bit different from DDR specifically, but um, a few things added um, on the docket there. But you have to get the Ganon's Bosky before defeating Ganon. That's really the only hindrance be- behind that. So uh, there is a rule in case of an unbeatable seed, because <laughs> it's no logic, right? So the winner is whoever has the most progress after six hours <laughs> in this tournament. So uh, you got a six-hour like cat basically on time, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I've never really been a fan of no logic uh, personally. I view it as just a blind uh, dartboard that you're kind of just pecking at but i mean it, it's totally scalable on how many glitches you ha- have in your under your belt right and your, your repertoire so it is yeah um and i just like to kind of put it out there that there we have had seeds where you don't have to do any single glitch um but that's just the randomness of no logic mm-hmm. um but the more you know especially because boss key skips are allowed the more that you'll flourish in it and it's only six dungeons um we had floated around the idea of doing like specifically medallions, but heaven forbid it's going to require boomerang, mirror shield, or hammer for any of those, because then you have to find a needle in a haystack. Um, so the most common six dungeons that you'll be is your free starting reward, Deku, DC, Water, Shadow, and then maybe um, one of the other dungeons. Mm-hmm. It depends. It's really not that bad. Okay. But yeah, the average time is probably around 145 to two hours per seed. Right. Oh, wow. Damn. It's a little yeah. bit shorter than I was expecting. I was yeah. expecting like uh, five, six hours. It's the six hours. Yeah, is when cat, it, when it's winning, whoever has the most progress after six hours, I was like, okay, maybe it's like <laughs> four I hours mean, minimum. We actually, this isn't an RSL final. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, Bobby is forever gonna hate me for that. Ooh, yeah, let's just help out. It's fine. They need someone. <laughs> Rolls a ninety-eight uh, school seed. Oof. You're welcome. Uh, perfect. Yeah, I mean, welcome to RSL. But um, for no logic, if you know your boss case sits uh, specifically, if you can hookshot jump into shadow and do the boat key skip, like your six dungeons are solid. Um, I'd say that probably is the definition of who is going to finish faster. Um, unless your light arrows and magic are in a very weird place. Because um, essentially all you need for this is a bow, magic, light arrows, and bombs. Or some type of explosive source. Everything else is just enhancements. Um, it's definitely pulled some speedrunners too, which is pretty interesting. So those that are not usually a part of the randomizer community races, even DDR themselves, um, we had quite a lot of people join. So I know Axe is very happy about that. Cub's also helping organize it, even though he's not participating. Um, and I'm also helping organize it as well and participating. Nice. Yeah, That's it's uh, it's really key getting in those random, like, uh, just speedrun people, too. And they can really even change your minds over time, too. Uh, getting more, you know, exposure to just racing and then, you know, community. Just uh, really co connecting with people is really just where randomizer, I think, is at, is at its strongest. Um, yeah, so I, I, think, I, I think big names draw people in as well and oh, get yeah. more people. Yeah. You know, I guess to name a few, runner guy and Spike. Runner guys in the tournament. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so yeah. you get you get people like that join. You're like, ah, oh, oh, you know, they've got they bring in between two hundred and a thousand viewers every once in a while. So, well, some mm -hmm. of those are going to be wanting to join in, and or maybe even some of their viewers to too. They can be like, yeah, I can join it too. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. I'll, yeah, the viewers, yeah. the viewers of those channels are like, oh, well, this looks cool. Let's let's pick that up. I've I've done the exact same thing with a. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, Rando. I watched Spike play that. I was like, oh, you know what? I want to get involved. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. it does happen. Bobby, why didn't you get involved? You're a VIP in RG's chat. Uh, you know, so that's solo racing. I don't tend to do a lot of solo races anymore. <laughs> I like community stuff. Because then I can, like, ask someone who actually knows what's going on and be like, hey, uh, why is this it? glitch failing for 20 minutes straight? <laughs> oh, well, you didn't turn on your light in your room oh uh, <laughs> oh okay yeah the voltage oh God, yeah painful. i got it true. <laughs> yeah god um but uh so what is dungeon door requirement rule set um what is ddr yeah, main topic time let's go oh boy Daddy, no. i think you're gonna start with that are we are we starting with the spiel I think you should probably give the spiel because you've done this so many times and I expect the announcer voice. <laughs> mm, of course. <clears throat> Dungeon door requirement is a glitched rule set between standard and no I am wrong warp that allows for a lot of quality select glitches while banning some of those powerful glitches in the game. So the notable features that you will uh, be required to do in seeds, uh, you're required to enter dungeons more or less the intended way, as well as uh, being banned from doing boss case gips. In addition, some of the powerful glitches that are banned include bomb hovering, item manipulation, and ROM warping. You can see the full list by typing exclamation mark DDR. Oh, wait. <laughs> if you can figure out how to type exclamation mark DDR in a podcast, please let me know. <laughs> of course, you can do that in the Discord, of course. Um, by doing exclamation point. Oh, never mind. 
Damn it! <laughs> Foiled again. Foiled. But yes, uh, DDR or Dungeon Door Requirement. It's uh, specifically designed to be a glitched rule set. So it's uh, it, it's designed that you can complete it without using glitches, but it allows a lot of the the things that you that are built into uh, OOT itself. Uh, so these aren't necessarily things that are like added by any of the devs or anything like that. Um, they're just things that come naturally with it being Ocarina of Time. So some really good examples are things like Imminent Sword Glitch. Uh, that is a super common glitch that you'll see all the time in things like Bingo or any glitch, anything that isn't glitchless uh, OOT, basically. And I guess, like, uh, and forgive me if this is inaccurate, but I guess that's part of why you're here, right? To, to help explain. In terms of uh, the logic it follows, it would follow the exact same logic as, as a race on just a standard rule set. Yes, correct. that is correct. It's, yeah, because you don't, as as you've mentioned, no need to do any glitches because the logic won't have changed between people that are familiar with standard races and the standard rule set. They can still finish everything exactly how they would normally. But if you want to uh, hover boost or whatever it might be, uh, what's what's the what's the trick called when you just fly across Hyrule Field? Uh, super slide, Hess, super slide or ESS. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's, that's what I was thinking of. So if you'd like to do that, feel free and get yourself involved. Um, yeah. But thank you for that wonderful announcement. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a train station and I just got told how to leave. Please watch your step. <laughs> the train will be departing in one minute. Perfect. I'm going to sign you up to do some bingo calling, like actual <laughs> bingo numbers and everything. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, this, this, this voice is patented, but... Um, that is one thing that I, uh, I personally really enjoy about DDR is that it's a rule set that grows with you because whatever your current skill set level is, whether you're starting from the very beginning or are an intermediate standard player that knows the game has very well execution and is just looking for something different. Um, the way that the seed is set up is that you're not punished for not knowing how to mega flip, how to ledge clip how to hookshot jump into shadow there are some new glitches that were found recently too um it's not punishing and i know from a competitive standpoint there are a lot of people that make it frustrated because they don't know some of these things but something emo said earlier is that you don't need to know them to perform well if your logic is on point the hints that you get um are helpful in terms of you know where you need to go your routing as well your execution as well um, and you have all of that experience behind you from standard, there is nothing saying that you won't do well um, in this type of setting, regardless of what the people around you know and will do. So it does grow with you the more you get more comfortable. Um, you can reach out and talk to us about it. But there are a lot of resources in order to grow within the rule set, too. You don't have to know all these things right off the bat. And that was the way it started. And that's been a huge focus as well for... Uh, for the settings as well, as well as like just the general design for the rule set is it's always been and uh, will always be designed to, uh, you know, that you don't have to do any glitches and you can jump in uh, at whatever level of difficulty you want, at whatever level of using glitches you want. The logic will always be glitchless. There will not be a point that for major races, we are going to be switching to uh, any glitch logic even. Uh, when glitch 2.0 comes, uh, good luck with that, Dusk. Uh, 
that <laughs> we are not going to be switching to that. That's not going to happen. It's always going to be glitches logic specifically to allow people to join at their own pace. And we use the same tricks as standard too. Um, I know we have a section for settings conversations, but the current weekly settings right now are literally what the standard weekly is with in terms of tricks. Um, enable useful cutscenes is on, and then we do have variable medallions um, and dungeon rewards. But otherwise, the intended tricks to complete the seed are the exact same thing as any other standard race. And if you're comfortable with logic, you'll do great. That that's really all that you need to know. It's just a normal randomizer with more enhanced ways of playing the game. All your personal choice and preference. What are the useful cutscenes of interest? Because I'm thinking the only useful cutscene I've got is Darunia, because watching that man dance is, oh, oh boy, <laughs> brings me great joy. But what so, are the actual useful cutscenes? So originally when this when the first setting was first installed, it had three cutscenes. Um, the, the first one being Twin Roba. That has since been removed. The only reason that was originally there was because um, Twin Roba would start the fight too early. But Fig fixed that, so thanks, Fig. Uh, so now there's only two cutscenes that are included. Uh, the one, one of them is in Fire Temple, and it does involve Darunia, uh, but it's the one Mama. where he explains to you about, I, I don't know, I don't remember what he tells you, probably something about how you're a bro. Uh, and the, that's mostly just because there's a cutscene skip, or sorry, a bossy skip you can do uh, in Norang Walmart for that. Uh, but uh, and for us, that one doesn't really matter. It's just it's five seconds you mash through. The important one is the uh, one in Forest Temple, the Poké cutscene. The, where they there they go down uh, and oh, they like right. lower the elevator. Right. So you interrupt the animation by catching bugs or bottled fish. Um, and since you've interrupted it, you're able to move through that cutscene. And since it's a long enough cutscene, you can make your way down to the platform as it goes down. Also, word to the wise: if you happen to get onto the platform and then it just slowly lowers, as in like you've maybe taken your time getting there and it stops in the middle, just backflip, side hop or something, and you'll go all the way down. Don't save and reset, because if you save and reset, then you lose the platform skip. Uh, so just, I've seen that happen in some races, that people get concerned because they've gotten stuck. You're not necessarily stuck, just backflip. It's all okay. By the way, quick, very quick tangent. I never thought I'd do this on a podcast. In fact, it doesn't really make sense doing it on a podcast, but I'm do it anyway. Breaking news. Whoa. The multi-world tournament has finished. It's mm. over. GG. In case you're wondering when we were recording this, there you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah, who, who, won? who won? Who won? Dad, take the crown. Yeah! yeah. The second yeah. season yeah. of the multi-world tournament. Woo! There we go. Let's go. Breaking, breaking Gossip Stone podcast news. <laughs> which you will From all days hear. ago. <laughs> exactly. Which you'll all hear in four days' time. <laughs> Only four days? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> however long it takes i mean but but yeah uh, <laughs> i mean we're, we're the magical number four is how we started that's how long this is this gonna go just four and and chimps like days like weeks months yes <laughs> or four. uh i guess a question to both of you then um what was it about ddr that drew you both in Mm. I actually, Dobby should start, because um, I think the next section is the history. So I know, Dobby, you were very involved in how this all started. So if you want to go first, I'll go after you, since I came much later. 
said. Uh, but also, yes, uh, the the indeed Shiro is, is right. Uh, the the how how I got involved with DDR is uh, some a bunch of messages from uh, some a good friend Golden Sierpinski. Uh We knew each other in uh, Runner Guys Discord. Uh, so, so we were viewers for there as well as a lot of other people. Uh, and he, he was saying for a long while that he wanted something that allowed you to um, do some do do like more uh, routing potential within dungeons where you could choose to skip things or choose not to. Uh, as well as kind of um, there there was a rule set that was that was being used sort of at the time for varying extent, the NMG or no major glitches rule set by Very Sydney. Um, and that 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 had a couple a few people following it, but it tended to be um, uh, somewhat a bit clunky in terms of like uh, trying to follow along since it had, uh, as we mentioned, the number of glitches in OT is yes. Uh, and so uh, there was just like a list of glitches that like you can do these, you can't do these. So it meant that when you were running, um, it, it could be a little hard to keep track of like, oh, am I allowed to do this in this exact instance? And you have to look through a giant list. Um, and so part of the goal was to uh, have something that would work similarly in terms of allowing a lot of uh, glitches and be a, like an intermediate kind of thing, uh, but we, which was a little bit of cleaner line of like distinguishing, okay, this is what is allowed, this is what isn't, and these are, this is why kind of. Um, and the first version of that was according to Winnie, who did a lot of research and it was really cool to find these documents, apparently 2019, and it feels like it's both that's too long ago and also not that long ago. Uh, is uh, Golden was was trying to figure out and had the first version of that, which was a uh, free dungeon movement, uh, which had some similarities to the current version, uh, but was uh, had some had some major differences, notably in terms of like within the dungeons, you could do anything except for bossy skip. Uh, so that would include bomb hovering. Uh, whereas on the uh, outside of the dungeons in the overworld, uh, you were much more restricted. You couldn't do any clipping, which there was actually a document that had this full definition of what clipping was using the up-to-date definitions. Oh boy, it was something. It's uh, it, You involved like a trigonometry in there. It was great. Uh, but uh, the, uh, that, that kind of had some of the, the complexity that was annoying and it it kind of eliminated some of really nice glitches that you can do in the old world. Notably, the King Zora skip as adult, which is the easiest clip in the game. Uh, we could tell you how to do it, and you could do it yourself in about five minutes. Uh, you just target a wall and jump slash, and you're done. Uh, so we're trying, trying to figure out some way to find a middle ground between those. And it was actually one of the viewers, uh, it was RJ Minotaur, I'm pretty sure, who who originally suggested uh, the door requirements. So saying, okay, well, what if we just say you're allowed to do basically anything except for you're not allowed to clip into dungeons in the overworld. And then everyone thought that was really nice, really clean. Uh, and so that that eventually turned, and after a bunch of testing and like figuring out, well, what are the other glitches that aren't allowed? That ended up being the starting uh dungeon entrance requirement as it was called then uh the rule set and uh after a lot of testing and figuring out and being like how do we like this and so sorting things out it was uh eventually proposed to the uh OOTR community uh who suggested changing the name from the dungeon entrance requirement to dungeon door requirement just to avoid it being confusing with the actual entrance randomizer which is er uh so and that's basically uh, how I got used to it, was uh, Golden uh, being like, hey, we should do this uh, after watching RG play a variety of rule sets and, and doing bingos, uh, or randomized bingos, I should specify. 
Awesome. Wow, great history lesson there. Um, and Shiro, where is it that you came in? Um, I thought it came out of nowhere. I think it's probably how it was, because uh, I distinctly remember Golden messaging me, and I'm like, his 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 response was, why is a mod so invested in this? Because I had recently become a Discord mod for the randomizer community, and at that point, uh, DDR was starting to gain a little bit of traction in terms of trying to branch into the larger group, um, try and gain some standard players. And at that point, I was really starting to get bored of standard. Um, it was also in like the peak of S3, which I know a lot of people were um, getting tired of the three-song meta. There were a lot of discontent within terms of the settings. We need something different. We got to shake it up. So the way that I decided to shake it up is to just do glitching, because why not? Um, I still love the randomizer. I didn't have as much um, hate uh, with the current settings that was used in S3. Uh, so I reached out to Golden and said, hey, whatever you need to do, let's do it. So I got into a group chat with um, him, Dobby, and at the time Snarky was also part of the group and did my best to try and promote it, got heavily involved with it, kind of fell in love with the way it's the best of both worlds in terms of the way that the seed is set up. Because when it started, all I knew was infinite sword glitch and hookshot jump, because hookshot jump is the best glitch. Um, fight me. So I started from basically no glitch knowledge to now, after several months of training with Dotso and from the rest of the community can do a lot of BK skips into getting an average time of like two and a half hour no logic seeds. So I really wanted to help this very small community of such amazing people that wanted to show a different side of the randomizer. And it really has become a community. Uh, it's not just a rule set itself. I think all of us have gotten pretty close together in terms of being friends and talking about croissants and other types of, of things as well. And the DDR rule set in general is what brought us together, but our love of the Ocarina of Time game itself is kind of what keeps us together because it's always evolving. And that's something that I really enjoy is that the sky is the limit. We keep finding new glitches. We keep being able to use them as well because of the way the rule set is written. So it's a very different conversation when the King Zora skip was found for standard. Um, that was a whole conversation. But for us, when something like that comes up, we kind of talk to each other and say, well, what does this really do? Does this skip a door requirement? If the answer is no, we're like, all right, it's allowed. Like, end of story. So it's a very unique way of looking at how new techniques are found and it really does reward the exploration of it too which i've always really enjoyed so it's always constant learning new experiences and sky is the limit god bless king zora skip <laughs> my goodness what a development by the way at one point during that discussion you said fight me i took a genuine pause and I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, shit. Sure, sure, what's an actual <laughs> fight? I was like, oh no. <laughs> well, if you want a real take, if you want a real take. after hours where Shiro fights all of us 1v1. Fight, Brando Fight Club. Where, where, when's that again? <laughs> uh, whenever someone brings up T Never Buy a Shield, that's the Rando Fight Club because I play in a, a glitch rule set and I still don't buy a shield. You will never change me. Good luck. Uh, Shiro, no. In RSL, you me. have to you have to buy a shield in RSL. You have to. 
You well, must. Well, good luck finding York one, though. Kelsey. It's usually shop sanity. Yeah, that's fine. And then you just buy it when yeah. you when you find it, right? No. The the only the only caveat to this this has led me to many first places in RSL. Just just farm rupees in the shittiest spots possible. It's great. It's awesome. So great example of this is Richard Bloopy. Did you know that there's a Bloopy and the Richard check? Yes. And the box? So you I just don't. break the box, get the bloopy, exit, re-answer. I don't Repeat. think you can pay me to farm that five rupees. <laughs> oh, imagine 30 times, chimp. That's no, what it takes to be a winner. In our <laughs> I will, I well, will you find any other source. <laughs> I still want to race against Dazo without a shield. So I will take that and lord it over him for the rest of his life because he's like the opposite person of always buy a shield. Um, so... I don't know, man. The game rewards my stupidity. Like, one time in, in, in co-op, I actually... I was trying to go to Pierre and fire during our co-op match, and for whatever reason, I fell off the platform. And I remember just staring there. I'm like, you know what? The game said no. So I went over to Compass Chest, and there was my boss key. So I'm like, you see? The game rewards you for doing what it wants you to do. That's how it works. And I get a mirror shield every single time. Mm-hmm. Well... But yeah, but what if you have to do a deck who's adult in RSL is the thing. Even if you're playing DDR, you still need that shield. I just oh, use hammer. I five hammer. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and coming up, uh, not to get too off topic, but with RSL coming up, uh, not with season four right now, but uh, when it becomes PR, basically to the main rando, to at least uh, something that we can run competitively on Roman's version. Um, is that shortcuts for dungeons will be a thing. And uh, it kind of impacts DDR a little bit. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Do, do you know much about the, the dungeon shortcuts? I do. I uh, one or two, yeah. We haven't talked a lot about it, though, Dobby. Yeah. No, well, I think personally, from my, from my personal standpoint, I, I've seen a lot of the, the stuff that Amraxis has. Uh, Amraxis does always really cool stuff with the randomizer. Uh, and it's done a lot even in particular for the DDR community, so super shout-outs to Amraxas. Right. Um, but from, from, from our perspective, a lot of the stuff that's being added are things that you can do anyway with glitches. Um, like, get to the basement early with the, with Forest Temple, as we are mentioning, there's there's a glitch for that. You want to get to the back of Shadow Temple, we have a clip for that. So it, it becomes less important, and, and in, in some sense, like having those things just becomes almost like, uh, like a disincentive for learning cool tricks that exist in the game. Or if they're just given to you already. Is that so, something you would turn off? I think it would depend. Because um, yeah. kind of as Dobby's saying, like for the shadow shortcut where the block is already moved, um, for me, it kind of would put a little bit more emphasis into knowing the cage clip. Um, because logically, now you can actually have uh, locations in the back of shadow and have like a required item to beat another dungeon whereas before it'd be like oh i'm gonna take a risk and cage clip and hope i don't key lock myself and hope that there's something back there and then you've basically taken the biggest risk ever and it paid off so it kind of does change the way that a person would play in terms of how logic affects it um i'm not i don't know i'm on the fence the only one i would probably 
care a little bit more about maybe spirit because it evens the playing field a little bit because of the platform being available, the shortcut. Well, the shortcut um, to get to the main room. So it kind of doesn't require you to know the strength to skip. There are ones with hovers, ones without hovers. So I don't know. It it kind of would have to come down to how the community feels. They want to continue skipping item requirements since that's a really big part of DDR is what items do you really need to complete the game. And right now we have a really good balance of um, the one stone bridge, five um, medallion BK, and one of those usually will require unique unique item being boomerang, hammer, or mirror shield. So now it's kind of saying... Are you going to continue to remove required items, and what, how would that impact how people would play? I wouldn't say that we're adverse to it. We probably would have to have further discussion in trying it out, because we typically would skip all of them anyway in the current rule set. Yeah, definitely something that'd be at least worth trying to see what the community feels. A lot of times, like, you know, people might have opinions, but then when you try it, uh, your opinion might change and be like, oh, actually, this thing that I really liked, I dislike. Or this thing that I thought I would hate, actually, I love. Yeah, that makes sense. We've all seen the various testing channels over the past few months of, oh, well, let's give this a try. Oh, wait, no, this was cool. And people being like, oh, wait, no, this sucks. Never mind. This was a terrible idea. Let's throw it in the bin. So, yeah, yeah. in particular, Golems have been really well implemented by us, you know, Maraxis again, um, both in RSL and standard. But, um, yeah, I've just been really impressed by his, his work here as, as a dev contributor um, to the randomizer. So, shout out to Maraxis. But, um, so, I mean, so what are your, your thoughts on the fire air entry? That's been kind of a hot topic. And, Season five recently, uh, as far as their discussion channels, uh, how, how has that kind of impacted your community? Not at all. Um, I guess this is the, the, uh, the actual so just basically just legal for you guys. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, this is chill. Yeah. I like this. I like this. So, so, okay. <laughs> now that's the answer. For a while, it wasn't. Uh, there, there was a time where there was that was actually mm -hmm. a pretty divisive thing of people being like, yeah. "We don't want fire air entry," and but you know, mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to only be Din's fire and. It, it was it was kind of a, a shift of like uh, of like where do you toe the line of what's what's too far? Generally, what we've tried to do for the um, and part of the goal, as we were mentioning, to try and get that clean line, being like what is and isn't allowed. Like, okay, are you lighting the torches to enter Shadow Temple? Yes. Okay, then you're fine. Um, mm -hmm. As opposed to it being like, you know, is this is this trick too hard? It's more what is the result uh, to kind of like. If you're taking the the time it takes to learn a difficult technique, well, you should be rewarded for that. And in this particular case, if you're taking the the time to every, uh, let's be real, look up every single time what is Exodus is set up because I don't know anyone that knows that setup off the top of their head. Uh, My hands are learned it. <laughs> yeah, there are. <laughs> there, there, there are people. They exist. All <laughs> five <laughs> of us. <laughs> There's like 15 steps. None of them are difficult, but there are 15 of them. Way more than fifteen. Uh, a few more than fifteen, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's simplifying a little bit. But either way, um, yeah, I, I think focusing on the end goal—that's really kind of the spirit of dungeon door requirements, right? You're mm -hmm. you're kind of looking at a restrictive kind of view on on the game rather than 
um, not allowing most glitches, you don't care about that. You just care about the result, right? As long as you didn't do this and you went through this specific way through the sea, that's all you really care about, right? Yeah. Right. And, it, and that is a goal. There are obviously the, the glitches that are outright banned that, you know, we kind of is like way toe the line of like what's too far. But in general, mm-hmm. for, for, for other things, it's it's generally designed to be that kind of, hey, uh, if you know a way to do something and you're not using it to uh, clip into a dungeon or clip into a boss room, you're probably mm. good. Yeah, you're probably fine. <laughs> yeah, fire <laughs> entry and gold scale water, or for us, ocarina dive water, have, have definitely been talked about in the past. I mean, not to, to put it down lightly, is fire entry does not affect us as much as swordless jump slash just did. Um, but in, in that sense, um, if you're entering, entering the dungeon through the door, uh, for water specifically, you can use the hookshot extension to hit the switch and then Ocarina dive from the serenade platform. That was, that was in a lot of discussion early as well. So it is kind of funny how we have a lot of parallels in terms of method of entry for these dungeons. Um, mm-hmm. although the logical way is still going to be exactly identical. You require dins to get into shadow, you require iron boots or gold scale, depending on what that outcome will be, to get into water. So how will you enter is completely independent, but there are a lot of parallels between the two rule sets with those very heavily contested entries. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I feel like it's like a more relaxed kind of a mindset to even get into for, for DDR versus standard, where which is more restrictive. However, it like kind of advertises itself as more of an inclusive environment. So it's definitely interesting to get your guys' take uh, on DDR specifically. Um, it's pretty much the same thing, just different allowances, right? Well, I mean, we allow everything standard does. We just allow a lot more. So mm-hmm. whatever standard has, like if you're starting with that and want to branch out to DDR, everything you've learned is still applicable and still extremely helpful. I mean, there mm-hmm. are standard tricks and different techniques that definitely have applications in DDR. So unfortunately, they don't always go both ways, but there have been some um, strats in terms of movement techniques that may come out from DDR players. Eggmeister has been posting a lot in strategy development lately with a lot of different movement techniques because he really is super competitive. Um, and they definitely would apply to Sander too. It's not just DDRs. They're all for randomizer. Has Egg yet released that video for uh, the setup for exiting Link's house? <laughs> no, we, but we should probably bug him. <laughs> we've been joking that he would do that. And, and he, was, he actually was like, you know, I might, I might would actually do that, yeah. All right, so I guess you've mentioned a few times uh, the community and their approaches. So let's, you know, talk about the community. Um, so I guess, I don't know. I don't really want to ask what the vibe is, you know, because no one's going to say the vibe is bad of, the, of, the, of, their own, of their own community. But I guess what's like, because for a time, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I think this is accurate, DDR wasn't supposed to be like, competitive community right it was more of just this is something we like to do and we have fun with it so what's the sort of mindset i guess of the ddr community and how has that evolved over time Um, well i think that's something uh it's tough to to generalize and say the 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 mindset of the community as a whole for for say um it's 
there there is a general uh to use your term of vibe of like always people in the community tend to always want uh to help others learn learn stuff and improve and that's really kind of the the the, a common denominator between everyone is everyone wants to like always help the other people if they're like oh you want to learn something this new glitch there will be tons of people who are like oh here's how you can do it here's how you do it sometimes too many we admit it has happened that there have been too many people wanting to help um but uh and so that's that's really what uh the vibe i would have for uh comes in terms of the competitiveness i would say that that really depends on some some people obviously you've heard me personally say I'm very much not a competitive person. I like doing group community things, uh, but that will very much depend. Uh, I know Egg is really likes racing, for example. So that might depend on the person. Yeah, I I would like to say I'm not competitive, but I really get very tilted when I make mistakes or I'll lose, even though I know I'm going against people that have so much more experience and skill set knowledge with glitching. But Overall, I think the one thing that does keep me coming back is the community itself. Um, we are very close. We're all super helpful to each other. I think if you're overwhelmed by the amount of voices in a room, which definitely happens in our community bingos, when there's like six, seven people talking at the same time and one person is trying to learn something. Like I was having a lot of difficulty trying to ledge clip into GTG and seven people were shouting at me, oh, do this, 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 and this. And I had to like DM someone and be like, can you just write it out for me on what I need to do? Um, you can DM any of us individually and we're more than happy to help people through. Um, or if you want to join our bingos in general and just do your own thing and say, hey, listen, I've been having a lot of difficulty with this specific trick. Can you help me? And I think we've gotten a lot better in recent months in terms of not trying to overcrowd newer people. And we've kind of defaulted to one or two people if they're in the call to provide an explanation so definitely don't be scared to reach out to us um, i think we're a very open community in terms of whatever level you're coming in at whether it be nothing to coming from speed running too and you know all these different things and you're just learning how to apply it in rando because that's also part of um the actual game itself that really has its own separate learning aspect. It's not just glitches, it's also rando. Yeah, and I guess that's quite important because it's, you know, the aim is still to enjoy the randomizer, right? It's mm -hmm. not just to, to do glitches, it's to enjoy the rando. So, yeah, I think that's a fair point. By the way, as an aside, I'm not entirely sure you're allowed to say you're not competitive, having 10 minutes ago just ended a conversation saying, fight me. <laughs> I said so, I don't like to think I am, but I know a lot of people would say that I am. So, so I, I, record, I know that I'm lying. <laughs> yeah, for the record, I think we can establish Shiro as a competitive human being. Um just, just based off the past ten minutes alone. Um but no, that's uh that's all that's all good to hear. Um what I've seen, because I'm not actively involved in DDR, you know, me me and Shiro have had discussions about it in the past. Mm -hmm. Um but what I've seen, and something you just touched upon there, Shiro, is that there is a good mix of people that have been around for a while and people that have sort of come in specifically to learn this rule set, you know, a fairly new player. And they're like, oh, actually, this sounds quite cool. You know, because there are, there are names in the community that I've, when it sort of first formed, I'd, I'd never heard of. And, you know, on me be it, I'm not trying to be ignorant in that regard, but... You know, there's a lot, a lot of names that when when that picked up, I was like, oh, I've not heard of this person. 
Um, but once you once you get to sort of once now it's more established, I was like, oh, this person came from Bingo, and this person's been around for like years, and oh, this person's brand new. So what I've really enjoyed seeing is just a, a big combination of everyone's ideas throughout the past sort of like I guess nine months or so, and just the collaboration between new ideas people again and people that have been around for years people have been watching runner guys since like 2015 or however long it's been um so yeah i uh i do i do enjoy having a peek over the ddr community ongoings as a moderator i do have to check every channel so i often read what you're you're all discussing um yes i guess leading into the next part of that though um is the relationship of the community inside the discord and you know we're all adults here i think we can all can all uh talk about the fact that there have definitely been some hiccups um in regards to conversations people in the community and obviously i'm not going to say any names um but just the development of the rule set as as a whole hasn't been the smoothest ride let's say that's putting them out, but yes. Very diplomatic. But uh, yes, uh, in particular at the start, as we were mentioning, it was like when we first started the rule set, it was very much designed to be if you're trying out standard, uh, then, you know, you, you can do the exact same thing and it will work there. Uh, and when it first started out, this this was translated and we literally took the S3 settings and then added enable useful cutscenes and that was it. Uh, but then we were still kind of New, newer to arriving to those settings and kind of experimenting with how uh, glitches kind of impacted uh, the, this uh, with like how it kind of changed those settings and might not not make it there be a fixed route that's always good. Uh, and as we were we were going and starting out and learning and growing, um, standard was had finished their S three and was moving on to S four, and then there was kind of a divide at that point between people who were assuming well DDR is. Is is S is the standard settings plus enable use for cutscenes, and so when S four settings are coming in, they're like, well, we're going to change to S four settings, right? Whereas the other parts of the community were saying, well, no, why would we? We're we're our own thing, um, and so that was that that was that was very rough for for that, those discussions of people being like, well, no, this is this is standard plus this, as opposed to it DDR saying we're our own thing, this is what we want to do. We, we, we're not bound by what standard does. And uh, to Trez's credit, uh, shout outs to Trez once again. Uh, Trez was very much uh, helpful in that regard, saying, hey, you guys are your community. You do what you want to do. If what you want to do is standard plus enable use for cutscenes, great. If what you want to do is you're completely your own thing, great. Uh, so huge thanks to Trez for, for being super supportive through that. Yeah, it was, it was very tough because at that point, is I, I think when... Um, I stepped in a little bit more and tried to help from a moderator point of view. I don't know how helpful I was because I probably did contribute to a lot of those um, arguments. And it really was coming from a sense, though, of like, I also played Rando Rando. Um, so in, and I always call it Rando Rando, even though it's Random Settings League. But there definitely at that point, I think, was a perception of the gap between standard and DDR in terms of competitiveness. To me, it always comes down to competition, is that when they're the same settings, someone that normally plays standard every single day, 9 to 5, would have 
that knowledge and skill set to complete their scenes more efficiently and feel that they can compete with someone that is using glitches because they have a lot of strengths to rely on by knowing the settings and how they work. When you're changing that and going to something different, they no longer feel that they can be competitive. And then at that point, why would you be playing when you want to win? And I think that is also going back to the previous conversation is the mindset. And for a lot of those in the DDR community, we just like to play rando and we like to use glitches and we just put them together in the same seed. So when we developed settings um, around the same time as season four was happening, we were really looking at it from a different point of view than standard would look for the competition base. And I think that was a very big revelation for at least from an organization standpoint and in terms of the community itself too. Because we were looking at a chart um, and saying, what do you enjoy most in the randomizer? Do you enjoy the execution? Do you enjoy the logic? Or are you somewhere in between? Like, do you enjoy the routing aspects? I think there were three of them. So it was routing, execution, um, and the other aspect is like the tricks enabled and the, the logic of it, it like alone. And the majority of the people in... The community at that time were looking more towards the execution and the glitches, which unfortunately for most of standard at that time is more heavily relied on logic. And the way that the the settings were curated is that it benefited in terms of your hints where you're logically intended to go. And for us, we removed the tunics, ZL, which now is something everyone does, but we also removed Rudo's letter from logic. Not necessarily saying that you would not find it if you needed to go to Jabu, but it's not a hint that we find as a community helpful. And that's something that fundamentally sent us different. And it caused a lot of people to butt heads when you're very passionate about how you want to play the randomizer and it differs from a larger community. And I hope at this point that there are a lot of different settings now that everyone is trying. A lot of things have changed in the past year in the way that we all look at randomizer and like to play that there may be some similarities between the settings that season five would choose and season two of DDR. However, we're also looking at different expectations of the game. And that's also something that should be taken into consideration is that while we're still playing randomizer, what we get out of it is completely different, or at least that's my personal take on it. A lot of yeah, and I I do agree for sure that a lot of times like for for standard what 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 a lot of the people that were uh, a lot of the input the, that were coming was coming in from uh, some of the players while during our discussions whereas there was there's like two camps of the people that are like I want these settings to be competitive, and other people were just like I want these settings to be fun. That's that's my main goal. It's just I want to I don't want to have a setting that I dislike. That's really all I care about. And, you know, if a setting like, for instance, when one of the major ones that also popped up was the variable medallions for 1S and 5M, it, does that make it more fun to play? If so, great. It's fantastic. And I want it. Uh, and so that that was also kind of a discussions that were had uh, around that time as well. Yeah, it's also a really difficult discussion to have because whether something is fun and whether it's competitive, even if something's fun, if you then turn it into a competition, it's no longer competitive. So it's sort of like a paradox, if you will, if, if you're trying to make something fun and then as soon, as soon as you get competition involved because it's fun and not competitive, is it any fun anymore? Because it's, you know, it's moving into the other thing. So it's not even an easy, an easy discussion. So I can definitely understand why that was more than complicated. 
Um, and I guess as, as someone who is of the competitive mindset more than the fun mindset, you know, and sure to bring it up again, I mean, you have had discussions in the past about my own take on DDR and the appeal that it would and wouldn't have for, for me. So I, I, I totally understand why that's not an easy thing. Um, ultimately, as long as the community is happy, that's the main thing. We ended up having a tournament of DDR, which we'll talk about uh, shortly. So it seems like, despite the tough conversations, you've come out on the other side of it with some expectations, and most people are pretty happy with it. I should hope okay. so. It's our goal. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, we're still having fun. Um, and while some people may still see a bridge that they have to cross, um, we're all there to help people cross the bridge, literally and figuratively. Um, yeah, why cross it when you can just bomb hover over them? Well, not bomb hover, that's bad. <laughs> well, no, no, no bomb hover. Oh, no bomb hover, <laughs> okay. Well, ex except in other settings uh, or rule set setting. Where's the standard command? But um, in in general, uh, there is still competitiveness. Yes, it's at a, a different type of level, and you are going to be competing against people that have several years of experience in speedrunning or bingo and glitches in general. However, that doesn't mean that you can't also be competitive in the same landscape. And I think that's something that we still struggle with um, both inside and outside of the community to try and work towards uh, in changing that mindset. And that really does come down to these settings conversations is it's not rewarding all of the glitches possible. It's really rewarding what is the most fun to everyone in terms of how they play the game. To me, it kind of is very similar to random settings. Um, variable medallions gave very different results in how people would play the game. If someone is extremely comfortable with their glitches, they'll go to water. If someone is not and they found a mirror shield, they'll go to spirit. Um, it really is up to you and your personal preference. And whichever direction you choose, you could be rewarded. So, yeah, that, that's kind of... Still something I think that we try to keep in the back of our minds in terms of how the community will be moving forward. Man, imagine making a play in Rando and getting rewarded. That must feel nice. One day, one day I might discover <laughs> that feeling. Doesn't happen just yet. <laughs> Clearly you need to join more DDR races where these kind of things can happen all the time. Indeed. And if I were to take to take it to the next one, level of conversation, you know, if if baby chimp or chimp and noob or you know someone comes along into the DDR community, brand new baby face. Whoa! Right, hold whoa, on, whoa, whoa. I got to change your nickname on Discord for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if they were to come along, say hello in the DDR Discord and be like, "Hey, I want to learn this stuff." Where do they start? You know what? What is what are sort of the basics of? Okay, they know they know roughly the routing and the execution of standard, but where should they start with with DDR? Um, well, the the first thing, if you're already good good with routing, usually then uh, it's fair. It's it's gradually learning tricks, and then at the same time, you also want to learn their implications of like what are you skipping, and so knowing the consequence of that. A really good one that we like to have people start with because it's. The, the bread and butter is ISG uh, or infinite sword glitch, where all you do is you interrupt a crouch stab with, with uh, some kind of animation. Talking to an NPC is usually the easiest one, but you can also talk to Navi or pick up a bomb. Um, and that one's just really satisfying because you get the rainbow sword that's flying all around. It's really easy to see when you've gotten it. 
Uh, and it's really nice for combat. Uh, it's also really good, really, really useful against Phantom Ganon. So it's this kind of rewarding thing that doesn't take too long and has immediately very visible stuff. Um, in terms of like after that, after, you know, like, you know, baby's first glitch of like you, you've done ISG, then it typically it's it's if you're if you want to get into it, uh, you, you know, you can go into stuff that typically the most the most useful things to learn are things that help you skip item requirements. So things that let you skip that that uh, the strength two block in, in spirit, for example, or the Poe cutscene skip that can let you skip. Depending on on it, it can let you the the Poe cutscene skip in forest can let you skip uh, bow uh, and a strength a strength requirement potentially. So some stuff like that can be really good to have. Yeah, it really all depends on you. Because I, I mean, uh, and how you feel most comfortable learning i mean you can go balls to the walls and do like um i mean it's actually funny uh this the strength to skip in spirit to me was one of the later things i learned because that was quite challenging because it also requires for me hover boots or at least at the time required hover boots um or i also started my first glitch was um the hookshot jump so like to shadow to skip nocturne a lot of people have different things that come easier to them. I mean, just look at like Cubs Axe and myself. All of us have learned things very differently and at different paces because we find strats either easier or harder. Um, things that have a lot of unique button inputs in a very quick amount of time is extremely difficult for me because I have um, tendonitis and carpal tunnel, so I can't mash a lot of buttons repetitively. Um, it's very painful, so... Um, I don't know. I, I also YOLO a lot of things and hope it works and not really know why it does and does not work at times. But if there are things that you can kind of do slow and um, buffer it uh, or even unbuffered and it's only one or two inputs, even if it's frame perfect, if it's not going to penalize you too much, like the forest poke cutscene skip, if you fail it the first couple of times, Susan's having a bad day, you got to bring up Carl, which is the name of our fishes. Um, you could just like save and reset and do it again. And as long as you've saved before you got into the room, you can repeat it as many times as necessary and don't feel punished for it. Yes, you will lose time, but the amount of time you could gain if the boss key is in the basement is infin like infinite. So you could look for more unique glitches, go by temple even. Like say, hey, I want to learn all the different things in forest, or hey, teach me how to do the cage clip in shadow. Or how do I skip hovers in shadow? How do I do mega flipping? Like you can look at it from a very wide array of different usefulness. Um, mega flip you could do in crater to get to the Blair song, to get to the heart piece in the center. Uh, you can do it through hoverless shadow. You can do a mega mega flip or a mega side hop with hovers across Gerudo Valley to get to Morpha to skip long shot. Um, you can go for like the high impacting glitches or just like throw a dart at a board and say, hey, this one seems interesting. Let's learn it. It's really up to you. You can also, if, you, if you're, uh, well, another thing you can do is if you go through some of the seeds, we have tons of like DDR seeds to, to go through. We have asyncs, we have races fairly regularly. Uh, just ping egg and he'll probably be willing to race. Um, and so, like, you, what you can do is just go through the seed and be like, oh, I can't find this. I wonder if I can skip this. Um, and the, the answer is probably going to be yes. And so if you if you if you if you look uh, ask around for people and uh, try to try to to, to find uh, YouTube, you can sometimes find stuff, but sometimes it's it, it can be difficult. But if you ask ask around, someone will be 
super happy to be like, oh, you want to skip hover boots? Sweet, here's here's the stuff you need. Uh, like in Shadow, you only need there's only two spots you actually need hover boots. That's it. Um, or you would use hover boots and you can mega flip instead. So yeah, there are there there's stuff like that's another way if you wanted to um, like get into glitching, uh, just go through seeds and be like, oh, I want to skip this. How? Yeah, and I think when we first started the the rule set in the larger community setting, Golden had done a routing seed uh, where there was a randomizer seed that was curated to show off some of the glitches that would skip items. So he had a defined route and said, these are the different things that I'll perform to skip these item requirements. So here's how you do it. This is the impact of it. This is what you may or may not um be required to do in terms of to be competitive since at that point it was really the competitiveness of it what are the glitches that are really the most beneficial to learn but it touched every single temple and said these are the things that you can do these are the item requirements that you need to do it and even now it's outdated because of some of the things that we've learned and new glitches that have come out since um, but there are tools at your disposal to say hey I want to learn this because I want to do x y and z or hey I just want to learn it because um, there are a lot of different videos, not just the curated one. There's a huge Google Doc that I think is still pinned in DDR discussion in the Discord with a whole list of tricks. Um, and one of them even is a video on how to use Naru's. So if you struggle with super sliding in general, game. yeah, you could definitely just use Naru's and it makes it so much easier to do some of those glitches. And that's actually something that a lot of people look for and, and say, I'm not comfortable doing this without magic in Naru's. I need it. Uh, and if you needed to feel more comfortable doing some of these things, make it useful again. Use it. All right. So Baby Chimp, having now heard all of this, is like, oh, awesome. There's some things to learn. And goes on this YouTube playlist and sees all this stuff. They're like, oh, oh God, there's so much to learn. There's too much to learn. I'm never going to be good at this. I've it's this is just too much. What do you tell poor baby chimp? And what's the sort of misconception that any any players that might have that just feel sort of like overly intimidated by by all of this? Yeah, cheer up, baby chimp. First up, well, give baby well, chimp a banana. Well, that banana. didn't work, emo. So <laughs> you give baby chimp a banana, and then oh, that's okay. And uh, yeah, in terms of there are, as you're mentioning, the number of glitches in OOT is yes. Um, so like there, there's always going to be stuff that they, you're not going to know. Um, and, and really, it's, it's, it's good to just focus on like improving yourself and like improving your time first before comparing and saying, well, I don't know as much as Dotso, who's been playing this game since 2007. Uh, and at sees the the like decomp code as he plays in his mind. Um, yeah, of course you're you're not going to compare in terms of of glitching at that point. Um, but that does, certainly doesn't mean that you you know the other skills that you've gotten from other things uh, won't pay off as well. And um, I think it's it's really good to to start focusing in like if you have a goal of saying well I want to improve, and and you're you're saying well here's what I've learned here's what how the progress I've made since I started. I think that that's that's a good start to be like okay, here's here's the um, like improvements that I've made at least. Yeah, and it could be as easy as Dobby was saying earlier as playing a couple of seeds and say you 
finished in third place and the top two finishers did Hoverless Shadow. And that would kind of be your next game-breaking advancement into competitive world is saying, oh, I need to learn Hoverless Shadow. And you can kind of go step-by-step and continue building upon your current repertoire and say, I know, like, Infinite Sword Glitch, I know Hoverless Shadow, what's the next thing that I really need to do? And kind of just gaining one-by-one what held you back in that seed. And if if being competitive was what's really driving you forward, you can also look at it from that aspect too. And yeah, uh, it, it it that is here does bring up that's a really good way. If you will check out like the um, do you check out the vods or the YouTube videos of like the people who who you raced against? That's a really good way to see well what was what would have been helpful in my particular seed because there are hundreds, if not thousands, of glitches. Uh, in OT, but not all of them are going to be useful in every application. Some of them are going to be like, oh, here's how you can skip this one item if you have these other items. Or some of them are going to be, uh, you know, a very, very niche of like, oh, you need to get this very, very specific spot. Here's how you can do it. Um, whereas, you know, if you if you go and you, ju- you just add on as you play seeds, that can be really nice to see, well, this was clearly useful, so maybe it'll be useful to get. I think now now it gets the competing voices of, oh my god, there's so many videos because there's doing it with chews, there's doing it with bombs. Some people have different preferences. Um, I mean, there there is a lot out there to try and learn. And I think if you just try to do it piecemeal, because if you learn something, really happy about it, and then never use it again, it kind of feels like you've learned something for nothing. So there are so many strats out there in OOT that not all of them are always applicable in every race. I mean, there are things that I've learned that I haven't used in ages. Um, So I guess, for example, I think one of the more recent ones that I haven't done, which you would think would be more common, is skipping King Zora's child. So Rudo's letter is not hintable in DDR currently. However, it will be glitchlessly required to be in the world somewhere. And I tried to learn the skip using the burning Deku skip skip method, where as the stick is burning, like you do a setup um, to get to a specific area, you side hop, and the way it's burning pushes you like through the wall. Yes, that was a very fancy explanation. I'm probably going to get shot later by Datsu for explaining it wrong, but besides the point, my preferred method requires choose. And it's not every seed you're going to get choose. You may have bombs. So in that sense, I had a seed that I ended up not having choose. I only had bombs, tried to learn something on the fly, and ended up going to bomb shoot bowling to get choose, and then lost all my choose because I hadn't done it in such a long time. And I lost probably like 30 minutes trying to remember this trick. And it really was just because one stupid input. But I'm one of the very few that do this specific method because everyone will either do a ledge cancel version or the burning stick method. So that's like one way of of how this is so overwhelming is that there are so many different ways to do one specific trick, but it may not work for everyone too, because everyone learns differently. And if you may prefer the burning stick method, all the power to you, a lot of people will use ledge cancel. I decided to use a, a backflip out of bounds. They're all effective at skipping an item, but that's all up to you on if you feel it's useful for your routing and how you want to be competitive. I think we've scared baby chimp though. 
No, I think you know. I think Baby Chimp has Baby Chimp has his banana. He's uh, <laughs> he's, he's enjoyed the explanation. He's chimpo happy. Um, remind me to commission that email off you, by the way. Yeah, let's right. get a banana daiquiri and get fucking wasted. He's a baby emo. <laughs> Jesus, don't, don't give daiquiris to babies. PSA. Yeah. My hey. goodness. <laughs> For any kids listening to this, here. please don't pick up a banana daiquiri until you are of legal age. It's delicious. It's delicious. You'll have the it alcohol is, free version. It is delicious. The adults are saying the truth, but please don't pick one of these up until you're at least eighteen years old or twenty-one, depending on the state or country you are in. Thank you very much. Um, um how right. are you now? <laughs> Awesome. Well, I think that takes us up to DDR Tournament Season 1. Well, speaking of which, and kind of a good segue between the two, um, uh, a lot of times you were, you're saying you're really worried about being competitive with very few glitches. Well, in the first DDR Tournament, our two finalists, spoilers, if you're, if you're not, not there, uh, were Sage and uh, Sora, both of which were originally standard players. And uh, Sage is now, as we mentioned, is like currently the reigning champion of basically every DDR tournament. Uh, but Sora is very much uh, a, a very much a standard player for the most part and did, doesn't do nearly as many glitches. And so, like, I think what Sora did, like, some mega flipping and, like, ISG uh, and maybe, like, a couple other glitches. So, like, really didn't do, do uh, wasn't as glitch heavy as some of our other runners, including people like, you know, Dotso, who, as we were mentioning, has been glitching this game since, like, 2007 uh and exodus who's a bingo god uh both of which were are in the tournament as well so it's definitely not necessary to 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 have every single glitch that's in that giant playlist for sure for sure for sure cool well i guess to touch on the settings um this is lot as we mentioned earlier we kind of touched on this anyway but just to, to go through the settings of this first tournament um, glitchless logic, which which makes sense. Um, Child start, vanilla spawn, free Zelda off, and open Deku. Now, a quick question: Why free Zelda off? Uh, to to be honest, the main reason is that when we uh, I think it predated the the free Zelda setting when we first made it, and then ah. for uh, for C, for when we were first making the settings with uh, the uh, five game five medallions and the one stone. It didn't. There didn't tend to be as much of a three-song priority route for the start, so it didn't matter as much for us. I don't know if Shira has uh, another reasoning that she remembers. No, I'd say it's pretty much the same. Um, we were the in-between of when it started, and one, we didn't have enough testing for it, and we'd rather just kind of stay status quo. Um, and two, the only songs that you really need in DDR would really kind of be ZL. Because you, if you need to complete Shadow, you kind of do need to ride the boat. I think there is a clip just to skip the boat and not no. PK skip. But there is not. Um, it it yeah. it ends up unloaded when you're down there. All right. Um, but either way, you only really need one song. Uh, technically two if there's something in horseback archery because you can't um get free opponent by doing the staircase hover over Lone Lone Ranch, but. I don't know. Uh, it's very rare that personally I would do three song because I don't really need them. And I think that was the way the community was at that time is that we don't really pay much attention to what songs we get. If you get a warp song, awesome. If you don't, okay. You just be a little bit slower. 
but it wasn't really something that we were looking at to in this season. It is something for follow-up um, for season two, but at the time, I don't think we knew enough about it to say we cared either way. Yeah, that's perfectly fair. Just curious. I, I genuinely didn't know, so that makes sense. Um, so, as as you've said already, um, variable meds, uh, one stone bridge, five med uh, Ganon's Castle Bosky, or Ganon's Tower Bosky, I guess it would be. Um, you've mentioned, like, essentially variable meds mean that you can avoid some of those horrible dungeons that you need those one-off items for, as we all know, a mirror shield, rang, and hammer. I didn't realize hammer was so, uh, sort of in that category, but just thinking about it makes a lot of sense. Um, useful cutscenes on, so forest, uh, pose, and old Papa D and fire. Um, Goron City spinning pot with strength. I think that was probably another leftover from the sort of change of season, I imagine, because that was on in season three of standard and turned off for season four. Was that just right. something that stayed at the time? Yep, because we took right. all the same tricks that were in logic and standard. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I guess hint distribution is uh, an interesting one because this does vary quite a lot between uh, standard and obviously DDR. Um, Two way of the heroes, which is very, you know, a lot more reduced from the standard rule set. Um, I know you're not trying to beat the standard rule, so that's absolutely fine. But um, why two? So. I'll I'll start, and then I know Dobby's going to give much further explanation because your restreamer, your restream voice is going to come through. But I do want to emphasize, with, uh, variable medallions or variable dungeon reward, rewards has a lot more strength in your way of the hero because mm. in order to qualify for your way of the hero, it has to lock two or more dungeons. So it is very rare that you would actually have more than two way of the hero locations because of the chain of events in order to be logically required to beat to like beat these dungeons in general. So we started with three way of the hero and there were sometimes you wouldn't even get a third hint. It would have auto filled with a sometimes because it's just not possible. Um, that can sometimes ha- happen in current hint settings as well. That's just the effect of the randomizer, but more often than not in order to even qualify to be way of the hero, it's very heavily logic locked in order to meet that qualification. So that's kind of where we went on that part. And because it is filled with other hint types that even if not logically linked, that they're more powerful because they're more um, looking towards items that the community would need to reach that goal. Yeah, so uh, that Shiro actually covered it extremely well. So there's not really much to add there. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, because as we were saying, like the, because it has to lock, yeah, it, the most of the time it's locking two or more dungeons that or two or more medallions. There are some other very rare circumstances where it's locking, for instance, um, the, the required magic or it's locking light arrows. Um, those are, or it sometimes can be locking bow or basically the only other three conditions for it to be qualified as way of the hero. But those tend to be pretty rare. Most of the time, for for Wave the Hero, it has to be locking two dungeons, uh, and so that if you can figure out what it is, it can be extremely powerful. Uh, but it also a lot of time can be difficult to get a whole bunch. I think we had some data that you know there there we've had some that had between one and seven Wave the Hero items 
was I think the generally the kind of layout. So two was kind of the happy medium we found between, well, here's a couple really powerful hints, maybe, possibly, uh, that you're almost guaranteed to get two that, that generate. So that was kind of our medium compromise for that. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And ironically, um, when season four of the standard tournament was being planned, because of the way that the way the hero worked with variable medallions, which is fairly fresh at the time, that was why we didn't go with variable medallions. We were very close to to choosing that for season four as a setting, but because of the hints and trying to get them to work with that setting, we were like, you know what? This kind of doesn't work <laughs> because sometimes you just might not get enough way of the heroes and they're very specific as to what they need to be. Um, and obviously for, for your uh, tournament, you sort of got around this, well, not got around it, um, limited it, I guess, to to what it could be, and also introduced um, sort of opportunity slash named item hints um, as as sort of an aside of, oh, this might be needed. And I think we've seen that a lot in Blitz over the past. Um, I know Cubs has been uh, sort of tweaking and adding different renditions to that, I dare say, with the help of Maraxes, because why not? They've been helping everything else. Um, towards those sort of here's here's an item that might be needed here's it, and, and pointing towards those um, so I think that's probably offset the minimal way of the hero hints by adding those sort of optional items um, unless I'm wrong I, I assume that was what that was for but I, I might be incorrect that, um, that is indeed exactly correct we're, we're like the, here the way of the hero items are like here are the ones that are super powerful whereas opportunity I'm like Here's ones that might be useful for you. They're kind of yeah. things. Uh, Axiani kind of had a way of saying that it was like, you know, th this is a way of saying that these aren't barren. Uh, yeah. There's something you're going to find there that you're not going to be upset at finding. Yeah. It's going to no. at least be something decent. Yeah. Uh, and so frequently those can be things where, you know, a boomerang when you uh, when one of your medallions is Jabu is fantastic or similarly things like mirror shield and hammer. Uh, there's also some utility things on there like hookshot, bomb bag, uh, bow, uh, magic. And there are some more, there are some things that we have on that list that were also designed more for to help out newer players. Uh, things like Iron Boots and Din's Fire that may not be useful for for some of the most experienced players, but a new player is more likely to need those. Um, so it's kind of a balance between here's, here's a bunch of things that might be useful for someone at some point in some seeds. Makes perfect sense. Um, and I guess the rest of the Hint stuff is fairly fairly standard. I don't like I, I don't like using the word standard when we're talking about standard. It's like well, that was now kind of tainted. Fairly um, default. Let's go with default, and let's not rename standard to default either. Um, you know, so the seven, accessible. I I don't see why it ever changed personally, but there we are. Um, but you know, the seven always hints of what what we typically expect. Foolish choices. A few sometimes hints just to round everything up nicely. So I just um, want to say, though, for Foolish, um, we actually prevented progressives, uh, even if they're out of logic progressives, so whether it be strength, bow, bomb bag, slingshots, um, they're not allowed to be in Foolish locations, so it's true Foolish. Oh, um, that is something that can happen in Standard, is that you can find an out of logic um, progressive in a um, Foolish area. Uh, I think the one thing that will go down in infamy is one of the first variable medallions um, seed that I rolled had two bows in a foolish hinted shadow. 
and everyone came at me with pitchforks because of that <laughs> event. And what? Yeah, what? I think I think the the part of the the annoyance was that uh, it was actually in our in our uh, our hint distribution to not have these hinted in foolish locations, but uh, it turned out that the foolish uh, at that point didn't work like that. Um, so it just didn't work. Yeah, so that that seed. If you if you ever see the, like a, a meme in our DDR channels about oh at least it wasn't two foolish bows in shadow um, type of thing. I mean shadow itself is a meme no matter what you're playing in in general. But that is something that we made a big point of is that foolish truly means foolish. There is nothing that could help you in that area. So to so to note uh, just on that point, uh, we we don't necessarily forbid every single foolish uh, item, notably slingshots because they're they're uh, not logically relevant basically to anyone. Uh, they only usually are useful for like uh, B one and maybe hey, the the target. You you tell that to the poor scrub guarding that target in the woods. All right, that's logically relevant to him. He wants to reward you for having a good time and getting three hundred points. All right, let's 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 not let's. Let's not completely dismiss the slingshot. That scrub works hard to reward he, people for their. He for works their very hard, especially for poor people who have an aim rip. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, the other one that that's actually not included in that is progressive strength upgrade, which I I think the only reason is because we literally forgot about it until S two rolled around and we noticed that it wasn't on the list. Um, well, it's very unlikely, especially because we have access to Ganon's castle, that a strength would be in a foolish location anyway. So yeah. I think in that part we were saved, but in general, yeah. I think it was more like the bows and bomb bags that kind of would hurt more, uh, yeah, since they are, too. and yeah, but they're like super helpful. So yeah, sometimes logic is nice to have, especially in glitchless logic, but I think there were a lot of things that everyone had learned and how hints are generated um a lot through the help of moraxis and now dobby i actually think you're the next leader in hint distributions because you're very knowledgeable on this is well i have uh thanks in very very large part to uh moraxis but uh i've also had to delve into that with doing bingo stuff so uh as part of doing that i've also looked into obviously named item hints which are what bingo hints are based on uh but i also was looking at goal hints a lot for that too uh was discussing with moraxis so so slowly turning into the Moraxis appreciation episode, I think, with yes. how many times that we've mentioned the name. <laughs> At this point, it's it's a race between have, have we mentioned Moraxis more or Trez? Because I think yeah. currently Moraxis is winning by the one. Shout outs to Trez and all hail Moraxis appreciation episode. There we go. So the tournament itself, then, um, just to recap the whole. I guess we don't need to spend a ton of time on. Uh, all of the nitty gritty details, if you want to watch it, it's probably on YouTube, right? Because I dare say a few, how many of this was restreamed? Probably a good amount, right? A good amount of them. Yes. Yeah. Shout outs to Dobby for commentating pretty much every single one of them. I was going to say, everyone I watched, I think, had Dobby on comps. <laughs> yes. There were like I think... three or four I didn't do. Maybe. Yeah, and that was near the end because we roped in some of the um, participants as well that have supported, which was also really great. It was such a small community, and especially in a glitch rule set, there's a lot of difficulty in trying to find commentators that are comfortable commentating it in general. Because there are a lot of different things on screen, and, and as a commentator, if you're not familiar with it, you're not comfortable speaking about it, which is completely fair. Um 
But I think what we've been trying to do is to pair someone with glitch knowledge with someone with glitchless knowledge, because that works really well together, um, where someone with the glitchless knowledge would ask a lot of good questions about, how do you do this? Why would you do this? What is this impact? And it asks a lot of um, probing questions into how DDR works with the randomizer. So there have definitely been some of those matches where we've had people that are not familiar with the rule set that have stepped up to commentate and support and really came out on the other side learning a lot about randomizer. Because logic is still the underlying factor. You have to understand what you're working towards. And that's something that a lot of people struggle with. So if you're really good at logic, you would really do well in DDR for the most part. Oh, yeah, all of the glitches in the world won't help you if you go to, uh, you know, uh, the middle of water to try and find your, your hook shot because you think it can be there when logic's telling you it can't. Yep. Yeah, really a lot of parallels between this and uh, random settings. League. Uh, there are. The, like, volunteer force being able to, uh, you know, get commentators, like you're saying, uh, comfortable enough to see, you know, saying what, what the hell is happening on screen. Um, getting commentators settings versus tricks. I mean, it's really just a settings versus tricks dynamic, right? Between those two. Um, you mean you you want so, the commentators to know what they're talking about in like important matches? Yeah, I know Whoops. it's crazy, but uh, it's it's Might be. something that works. Uh, fundamentally enough, uh, it's great. Um, but uh, it's yeah, it, I think there's a lot of great overlap, and I think there's a lot of great things we can do between the two communities. In fact, so I, you know, I, I think. Finding a good common ground could be a really cool idea, too, you know? Yeah, and there has been a lot of uh, DDR and RSL stuff together, where, you know, they all, the only major difference between uh, that you add is for uh, DDR, typically you don't need to do trials, even if they're on, you can skip them. Uh, whereas for RSL, because that's such a major factor for a lot of seeds, that typically for RSL, you also require are required to do whatever trials are on. But otherwise, there's been quite a number of, of those as well. Yeah, it'd be cool to see. I mean, in the uh, the main RSL season, of course, we play on the standard rule set, so you can't do a lot of things that you would be otherwise uh, enabled to on DDR. So, um, but there's not enough, quite enough interest uh, yet, you know, organizational standpoint to be able to have like a separate leaderboard, you know, for DDR. Uh, that's not quite on the table at this point. There just aren't that many people interested, but you know, that's not to say that that couldn't be a possibility in the future, right? Or or something derivative of that, like some kind of blitz tournament that it could be encompassing kind of both uh, player groups, right? Go for it, definitely. I know yeah. that Moraxis, um, so Point to Moraxis, has been hosting DDR RSLs every Sunday for the last couple mm -hmm. of weeks. Um, we do, or at least the last one, it was remove damage multipliers. So everything else is the exact same, I think, in terms of weights. Uh, enable useful cutscenes is on. Um, the damage multipliers were just removed because there are a lot of damage boosting in part of the glitch uh, part of out, like DDR. So if you have one hit KO and you fail a mega flip, you're going to die. And that, that, that just feels bad. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of the... There's a few settings on, I think, RSL that could be modified with the DDR rule set in mind with, with all these tricks that you kind of have on, on the reg, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's almost like a separate thing entirely, which is 
at least as an organizer, from my perspective, it's hard to cater to both crowds, but also have enough people at the same time to, to really have it be worth it. So, it, I mean, it's definitely cool to look at for the future, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think DDR itself is, is cool enough on its own that you, you don't have to have something like that. You can have, you know, kind of casual play between, you know, several races or asyncs or what have you. Uh, and still have their own separate things. You know, you don't have to have a mixed thing, but mm-hmm. uh, not, not to get too far off topic, but... Yeah, um, I think that the back to the tournament in general is um, we didn't have a lot of new faces uh, in terms of how many people were participating. We had only 10 participants. And we did, over- we had 10 for, for, for that. I did double check because I was curious. We had 19 players who participated at all in at least one of the mm-hmm. brackets. Okay. Which was good. Yeah. And I mean, we're still a newer rule set. We're still growing. And since the tournament, there have been some new people that have come around and are joining races. And that has always been exciting that this tournament was able to to reach people outside of the Discord. And I, I see the note. If there are any matches that you want to reminisce about, I don't know. There were a lot of good matches. Um, I guess if we had to choose some of them, I'd say the last three. So um, winners and losers semis and then the grand finals. Um, They were all extremely hype because at that point, we're really focusing on execution. Um, But overall, I'd say the tournament itself, all of the, the races in general were amazing to watch. And for those that didn't get a restream... It was nice that some some people in the community would go to a random VC in the main Discord and just put a screen share on, and a bunch of us would pile into the channel and just talk and watch um, as someone restreamed it from a, a web browser. And yeah, it was also uh, just mentioning uh, one particular match uh, and some some really fun contrast. As we mentioning, as I mentioned previously, uh, the two, two finalists, Sage and Sora, both tend to be less glitch heavy uh they do still do some things but it doesn't tend to be as much and then contrasting that with like dotso versus fanta were both bingo players and so that was massive glitch fest everywhere um and so it was a really cool contrast to see like the two kind of extremes uh, of ddr like i think those were within like a week or so of each other uh so it was super cool to see that we also had um during the the during the, the brackets, I think there were two different matches that were determined not by people knowing glitches, but by people not knowing glitches, where because of they didn't know a certain glitch, they had to do they did a particular routing that was different, and that actually paid off for them. Uh, and they found another item that really helped, um, which is always interesting to see, even if it sucks. Uh, sorry, Shira, uh, yeah. when it happens to yeah. you. Yeah, uh... I'll always take me back to a seed where Cola, I want to say it was Cola, um, back when the the classic route was open grotto to owl into market, as uh, I think it's the season three route, but they were too late and the bridge was up by the time they got there. So they were like, fuck it, let's go and do valley. And then they found their first magic, which everyone else didn't find for like two hours. (laughs) Oh. And they ended up absolutely destroying everyone because of uh, basically a mistake or not doing something correctly. Oh man, that was a that was a rough one. 
Yeah, but, I can imagine some salt there. Uh, yeah, just, just a touch. Yeah, that, that match in general really sucked. Is I lost to Azure um, because uh, he did not feel comfortable doing bomb mega flips. He wanted two mega flips, which means he had to buy them or get them from the bomb chew bowling game um, because you can get 10 chews from the third prize. So, oh, what, Davi? It wasn't actually that. You guys got hinted chews on uh, da dad dancing. Yeah, it was something where he needed chews. Yeah, but, he needed chews, but yeah. And it was, if I'm remembering correctly, it was Hammer on Skull Kid is, yeah. or something like that. And because he was routing to get those chews that were hinted, he picked up the hammer. Whereas I'm like pushing myself through Shadow with Bomb Mega Flips instead. And then it took me forever to figure out that the hammer was on Skull Kid and had to backtrack all the way through that. So that did happen, I think, in the reverse, where Sora is very comfortable with two Mega Flips and not Bomb Mega Flips. And I think the first time he lost to Sage, um, which pushed him to loser brackets, um, was because of that same instance. So, yeah, it, it is kind of funny how that happened. Yeah. Painful, but funny. Yeah, it's definitely painful when it when it happens to you, to you but uh, and it's definitely painful to see where it's like it's almost getting punished for having known more. Uh, but you know, rando gonna rando sometimes. Yes, I think we say that more often in these types of settings because it really is. What item did you find, or what item did you not find that you wish you had? I guess because you genuinely need less items, right? So it's like when you do find. Extra items. It's like, well, <laughs> fuck me, I guess. Yep. Well, and a lot of times, uh, even if you can do glitches, a lot of times it will be faster not to do them. Uh, and so, like, you know, you, you you might you can do like the clip past the silver uh, or the silver block in Spirit Temple. If you've got the 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 silver gauntlets, it's going to be about the same speed to just push it. And if you start failing the 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 clip, then it will almost certainly would have been faster just to push the block. So stuff like that can really add up where you're like, oh, this person found hook sh or found iron boots, so doesn't need to do iron bootless water temple. Well, they're going to be gaining time on someone who does. Well, especially if your um, boss key is in central pillar, cool. because while you can skip iron boots, God, is that awful. Uh, so you would definitely excel over someone um, that would be struggling their way through central pillar if you had iron boots. Just to fully recap the, the tournaments, we didn't actually go through this. Um, it'd be remiss of me to not mention the winners and the, the and so on and so forth. So as, as we said, uh, there was at least 19 entrants. 10 people made it through to the bracket phases by doing three of the matches. Uh, the number one seed Throm qualifies with Dotso, um, which I guess didn't surprise too many people at the time. Uh, double Elim. Um, Sage versus Sora in the in the grand finals. Sora uh, Sora made their way by beating Zombie God, Exodus, uh, and then Dotso in the losers finals. And Sage beat Neef, Fanta Tanked, Just uh, by the looks of it. Uh, Sora and then Sora again for that grand finals win. So congratulations to Sage, GG's to Sora who has been around for quite some time. Sora. Um, good to see them still doing well in in a competitive scene so that's great um and yeah that was a very quick recap of season one so i guess 
pushing forward from this. Um, and, you know, we've touched upon this anyway, but overall thoughts on sort of how the season went. Anything you change, you know, were you happy with the numbers? Were you happy with the you know, restream side of things? You know, what, what, what was good? What was bad? Um, well, for, for from my perspective, as we're we were definitely struggling when we first started out to figure out when were we going to be having qualifier matches, like when were these going to be scheduled, and we ended up we were debating whether to have asyncs. We were debating how many things to have. We ended up picking a single time, uh, mostly for simplicity because we we didn't know how many people we were going to get, and uh, a lot of the people that we we knew about uh, that were planning on participating we were like, well. They they are they are generally available around this time, so we ended up picking the same time as OCS, uh, which is like one p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. Um, and had we known like uh, or had we had the ability and like the the knowledge, I think it would been would have been good to have either several matches or esyncs or pickup matches or something else to supplement. Because there ended up being some some uh, some people who said, "Oh, I wish I could have participated, but I wasn't able to make that time." And so I did wish we had some other way to accommodate for that. Another thing that uh, I think I brought up, but that that is definitely for next tournament, I think will 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 improve is kind of the point system for qualifiers. But it was just something we kind of threw together just to to be really to have something that kind of was easy to implement and we didn't have to worry too much about it. Uh, but it kind of had the, uh, a consequence, uh, and it uses the same same kind of scoring system as RSL uh, that. There, there was only a slight difference in that um, for RSL, the, the forfeits kind of have a sort of order to them, whereas for, for this, uh, I made sure that there was no order for the forfeits. If you were forfeiting, they were equivalent to uh, all being in like last place. Um, but other than that, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, and one of the consequences of using that kind of system is that um, you can actually almost get punished for doing more races if you have to do more races and do badly. You're almost better to do three races, do really, really well in those three races, and then never to play again. Um, so that would kind of be something I'd want to change just to kind of encourage people to play more, is find some way to kind of balance around um, like getting, giving points for, for really good wins and not penalizing people or not penalizing people too much for if they happen to do badly in one or two of them. And I think that was something for us as organizers. I mean, this was the first tournament that either of us had organized at all. Um, so that was quite a learning curve for us to rely on some some people from the Esper tournament organization, from Trez and ATZ, to kind of help provide some advice in terms of how do you even do this at all? Um, so there were a lot of good takeaways on things that worked, things that didn't work. Um, we appreciated all the feedback from those in the community, um, specifically on how to seed players and also the timing for to qualify at all, because I, I do feel like we lost a bit of people because of those times. And that's something that we're definitely going to work on for season two. Oh, was that just about everything? Uh, well, I, th I guess also um, while, while we're mentioning it, so we can shout out someone who isn't uh, Trezor at uh, oh, I'm pretty sure it was Zopar. Uh, shout out to Zopar to, to help uh, set up the, help me like get the thing set up for the leaderboard for the qualifiers. Shout out to you. I, oh, I, I think it was Zopar. If it was Fennel, I apologize. And shout out to you too, just in case. It would definitely make sense if it was Zopar. They do the same thing for RSL. So more names to shout out to. But let's yeah, just add Fennel in there anyway. 
<laughs> and all of our yeah. our community volunteers too. So TJ and Lazy that tracked a lot of our matches for the tournament that were restreamed. Uh, so shout outs to the trackers to make it even more challenging of when do I press the go mode button because they don't have a lot of items, but apparently they have go mode on their own personal tracker. <laughs> so all of all of the community members that help support this tournament, huge thank you. Greatly appreciated. Including the ones also that came from within the community itself, people like Azder, Keymaker, Dotso, uh, Sage, I think also at least uh, helped out on like the back end of stuff. Uh, so shout outs to, to all of you guys as well for, for helping out. Well, this is the shout out section at the end of the podcast, so let's just do it in the middle. Well, we can double shout out. <laughs> no, of course, that's absolutely fine. Um, so looking ahead then, um, and this is, I guess, a very in-depth topic. Um, so feel free to touch upon anything you need to. Um, season 2. Because uh, every good Season 1 gets a sequel. Um, some now, bad ones do too. <laughs> yes, un- unfortunately. Don't check Netflix. <laughs> so there are rule set changes and settings changes that are in the air, let's say. Um, I guess to start with settings changes, because they're slightly more easier to, to discuss and quantify. Um, you know, we've got a few listed here on, on, on things that you want to potentially change. I guess, you know, for, for you two here, take us through any settings that might change and, and, and why, you know, the, the ones that are most likely to change, what impact they'd have, um, and, you know, whether or not it's, you think they're good? You think they're bad from a personal stance? Well, let me direct you to this 21-page document regarding the recap from Season 1 and the start of Season 2 settings. <laughs> um, it was funny when Winnie asked for a summary and I just posted a document and she's like, can I have something shorter? I don't know. We're a bunch of nerds that like video games. So what are we going to do? We're going to throw data at it. Uh, so... I had a very specific way of doing this in my mind and thank Do- thank Dobby for being the voice of reason for some of them. Um, so I think yes. between the two of us, we've talked about this for several weeks, um, probably at least from halfway through the tournament um, is when the conversations about season two even started uh, in terms of what what new settings came out from when we first started what is standard even currently doing right now that we may find interesting or not um, still trying to grow the community and what people may be comfortable with now. Let's try and shake it up. Are there other tricks that we'd like to see? So kind of compiled a lot of data together uh, because this all starts with, um, in my opinion, misconceptions about what an enabled setting actually does. So probably one of the more contested would be B1 skip or putting Mido skip in logic. Those two even in, in standard come up quite a lot because you'll skip Minuet or Saria specifically for access to Sacred Forest Meadow for Mido skip or skip a slingshot requirement for Deku. So in terms of where we were looking at it is we looked at the settings that we had for all of season one rolled 10,000 spoiler logs, and then analyzed all of them through Moraxis' um, script. So another shout-out to Moraxis, uh, who who has this Number way... 27. Like he set up this, 
<laughs> Are you actually counting? No, I'm not actually counting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's actually probably accurate. But he has a Python script um, that also uses, sets up a database. So we looked at the way that our hint distribution worked, what your hintable items were. We looked at some of the way that items were important or not important or what were the ones that were hinted the most. Um, because no matter what settings we do, it'll probably come down to hints. And that seems to kind of be the general vibe that I've been seeing. But in all of those pages, we kind of threw together everything that even S5 has talked about. Um, CSMC was part of it. Random Age Spawn, um, Skip Child Zelda, Open and Close Deku. Um, all of the same conversations that have been had for Season 5 will were or are being had for season two of DDR. So I'd say all of all of the same feedback has been extremely relevant for things that we've been talking about as well. So I'll give the floor to Dobby to see what he thinks, um, since we usually differ very greatly in terms of these things. Um, yeah, um, the overall, a lot of stuff, uh, as Shiro said, we basically took, compiled uh, from like, so I think it was like near the middle of the tournament of like uh, starting to to look at it, but compiling basically things that in the community people had mentioned settings that they might want or might want to try uh, and just kind of making it aware this is what the setting is. This is what it does. These are the consequences. Uh, and Shiro did a great job for for especially for like the tricks of saying, well, here's here's actually what it what happens uh, in particular for things like Mask of Truth, uh, like what are the requirements and what whatnot like for that. Uh, and so that that's really helped to kind of guide the conversation of what people have said. Overall, um, a lot of the things have been kind of mixed response for, for what people want. Um, made the major ones, as we're saying, were tricks and hint distribution. Uh, and there are a couple of other things that people seem like some people want to try them out and we might at least test them. Notably, Shop, San uh, Shop Sanity Zero was mentioned and people some people want to try that. Uh, there were a couple who wanted to maybe try uh, random spawns. Uh, and I think they've they've tried one or two, but uh, those are kind of the other two major ones that people are discussing. Um, as as for hints, uh, it as as you guys were talking about earlier, the the arrival of the goal hints has kind of really shaken things up, and so we have been playing around with that uh, as of creating uh, hints for bosses or how many do we want to have, uh, how many are useful to have um, because they have a similar mechanism to Way of the Hero. Uh, notably, they point to items that are logically required for a particular dungeon. Uh, they fall into same, those, a lot of the same kind of pitfalls that we ran into in Season 1 with Wave of Hero. That it can be pointing to a strength for, uh, for spirit, and you're probably going to be skipping it anyway. Uh, and similar things that, that can happen uh, a lot with the goal hints. So a lot of the previous uh, discussion we've had also comes into play here. But that's still something that's a little bit ongoing for for for, for testing out for goal hints. Um, the other thing that we kind of want to test out on that front is uh, we had a lot of times in S1 where we hit what we would call muggle mode, where your only thing that you require would be magic, uh, because there's only two in the game and you're you all you're going to need every single seed to be Ganondorf. Uh, so we kind of there's been suggestions for how we can kind of hint that, and so uh, there and there are kind of a couple of different ways that can go about it. Each kind of has their own benefits and downsides of like you can have you can regardless of the other hints, you can always have an always hint for it, but then it will flat out tell you where it is. Uh, you can have a named item hint for it, but if that's the case, you can't use any other named item hints. 
Uh, you can add a goal hint for it, but then you might end up it not might might not hit magic directly. It could lead anything along the path. Uh, so they're kind of experimenting on that front as well. Yeah, information overload. I think is is kind of um, not what we were intending, but it seems to have actually been a benefit because the majority of the discussion started with things that people thought they liked. Um, and when we provided this document and had further conversations, they're like, oh, that's not really how I thought it was going to work out. But now I'd like to try it this way. And I think that's something that we wanted to go into settings testing with is just information. Um, because there are so many different options in the randomizer. And even throughout this document, I think the major ones we've hinted on, there's at least 10. And that's a lot. Uh, especially when within those categories, you have so many different subcategories too. Like, what are your bridge and boss key conditions? Do you want to add a sanity? Do you want to enable this list of tricks that may seem inconsequential but could have really big impacts to logic? And if you really heavily rely on logic right now, then how is that going to impact the way that you would look at the seed? So the majority of things that we've been doing in testing right now are kind of more hint-based. However, if I'm understanding correctly, we have kept B1 skip and Mito skip enabled as tricks. Um, so aside from that, I think it's still the same uh, bridge and boss key setting. We have tried shop zero. Shop zero came out of nowhere, uh, which is pretty interesting, but it's not shop sanity to the sense of requiring like a wallet locked mirror shield or something like that, but it shuffles your shields. And that came about more as a conversation in regards to open and close Deku. So this is, this is always a hot take, but I personally, even in standard, don't like closed Deku because the Kokiri sword is just a really bothersome casino item to find. Uh, however, in DDR, as soon as you have explosives, you can just skip Mido. So who needs a Kokiri sword? I feel like having closed Deku in DDR is more of a gate to entry than it would in standard, whereas that's just a personal preference. But for DDR, the more experienced person is just going to skip Kokiri sword in general. So I feel that it kind of is a deterrent for newer players, where... If you needed the Kokiri sword, you're going to be a lot further behind than someone else. And because it's much later in the game, what if Deku has an item that you need? But it really is not that different in terms of the item placement. That was also something that we looked at in data very early on prior to even Season 1, is where is the item distribution in, in open versus closed Deku? And it's not really important. It's not significant enough, at least significant enough to create an impact to um sway one side or the other side from personal preference so between open and closed deku and shop sanity though it kind of gives a little bit more weight to open deku because your deku shield is not going to be right next door it's going to shuffle your your viable shields among the different shops and it kind of breaks the meta of going immediately to Deku as soon as you um, come out of Link's house. And maybe it's a different variation of a closed Deku that's not as much of a gate to entry. It still provides variants that you need to find a Deku shield, whether a free shield or whatever viable shop it's in. But 
still has that same type of feel. So that kind of was a great suggestion from someone newer in the community that I actually am excited to to play out because it, I don't know, it, it, to me it has a very random settings feel because they do a lot of shop sanity, but it's not real shop sanity, if that makes sense. Yeah, they just shuffle the items around between the shops. <laughs> Shop zero. Yeah. So it kind yeah. of it gives the variety in a way that's not making it more challenging. And uh, and just to note for for the we you do have an async as well or an async page with some of the settings. There mm-hmm. there's a mix of there's some that have the 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 skips, the B1 skip and the Mito skip. There's some that don't. Uh, there's some that ha- I think all of them currently have goal hints to some extent. Uh, but there's also, I think the most recent one that I have yet to add, actually, and I need to do that, whoops, uh, is uh, eggs, egg wanted, uh, like, uh, basically vague path hints, where it will tell you, instead of saying it's on the path of Volvaja, it'll say it's on the path of medallions or something like that. Uh, just to, to the kind of, instead of telling you the exact dungeon, it'll tell you whether it's useful for a stone dungeon or a medallion dungeon. So that's also interesting. Yeah, so... In addition to all of the settings, um, I think this will probably just come down to what we test. Uh, we haven't tested a lot of CSMC. I know that um, that seems to be high on the list of what people like to play right now in terms of the larger community. Uh, I guess CSMC and glitching is not as fun because the size of the chest does affect the efficacy of the glitch itself. So if you have um, I think for no logic, it matters more. Like if you have a small chest in Dead Hand's room in Shadow, you can't do Bokey Skip. You need the large chest from the hover boots. Uh, for, I guess, some other areas, maybe not as important, but it does affect how you are glitching, depending on if it happens to be a major item or not. I wouldn't say that we, or me personally, it matters that much about your heart count. I'll still be opening small chests until I have enough hearts, which is going to be at least 10 because I'm a baby. 10? But... <laughs> 10. I said I'm a baby, okay? <laughs> but, it's yeah. Looking funny, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, but overall, I don't know. A, a lot of these things didn't come up as much as we thought. Um, it really all comes down to what is going to be hinted, because... With with this type of rule set where you don't need a lot of items, you're and you're gonna end up with one of my hints tell me and is it enough to beat the game? And if the answer is no, then people are like, How do I fix this? At least that's and the it, kind of feel I've been getting. Yeah, it, there's definitely um some divergence in terms of the community, in terms of what you want people want hints to do. because um, there are some that people that would, would be perfectly happy if the the, the hint distribution just said these are this is where you need you can find all of the items you need. Go find them and go beat the game. Whereas other people tend to like more of the puzzle aspect and they aim more for here's here's some of the items that are logically required and here's so figure out how they're useful to beat the game. So it tends to be two different kind of divergent ideas on how you like to play randomizer. And both are of course perfectly valid. Uh, but that has consequences in terms of what you want this hit distribution to look like. So there there has been uh conflicting ideas in terms of what to do there yeah competing ideals you see the same thing in randomized uh, settings like i mean or the whole like hint debacle trying to get to where we're currently at which is 50 percent way the hero and 50 percent goal hands 
which I'm not happy with. I want it to be 100% goal hands because I love goal hands. They just they just play so well, uh, especially in RSL, but in uh, DDR especially, uh, I think it has a lot of utility. Uh, but you have all these like competing ideals uh, with each other, and it makes settings discussions like this, especially for season two of DDR, uh, especially tough, right? Mm-hmm. Such, so, so like uh, especially as we we're mentioning, the community for DDR is uh, pretty small, um, mm-hmm. and so like even just like a couple of people on one particular camp or another, it feels like there's a lot uh, because that's uh, not a not insignificant portion of the vocal community. Uh, speaking right. of which, if you want to join, please join. Um, we'd love to have extra <laughs> opinions. Uh, so, so like it does tend to be definitely a huge factor for for these uh, settings discussions. Yeah, definitely. Um, now we talked really about potential rule set changes to DDR. Um, that has been uh, a thing that we've been uh, that we've promised people because there's it has been uh, in discussion for in the in discussion channel for a while with uh, always. Or sometimes explosive results, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mostly it's something that we do want to look at after the settings have been decided. Notably, in terms of one thing, uh, and that is equip swap. Uh, that was even one when the rule set was originally being made was was one of the ones that's on the fence. Uh, there are some mm-hmm. of the glitches that are on the banned list that are unequivocally everyone agreed you aren't doing RBA or you're not doing bomb powering. Uh, but equip swap, as well as some other ones like action swap and ones like those. Are kind of like on the middle ground of in terms of what you can do with them uh and ultimately it was decided equip swap is too strong it's uh not very user friendly in terms of learning um and so ultimately we were, it got moved into the band category um but that's kind of one that's because it's on the fence it also tends to be one that people uh want to discuss and want to think are thinking about including um I know that I, I know Shira's opinion on the subject, so I'll leave I'll leave uh, that that side to to her. But uh, just to to discuss uh, some of like the the pros that the people have mentioned, um, like you can use equip swap to uh, skip some item requirements. Uh, you can allow you can have a child equip a hammer, which means that you can open up grottos earlier and have better routing on that side. Um, in terms of adult, it lets you in randomizer specifically equip swap uh, sticks uh, as adult. And that lets you uh, skip fire sources with the trick known as QPA. Uh, so you can use that to skip Din's fire, for instance, to enter Shadow Temple. Uh, and there are a couple other situations that can be could be niche. Like for instance, uh, you can equip swap fairies, uh, an endless source of fairies, so you never have any uh, like you basically never die. You just make sure to have a fairy when you need it, and notably in Fire Temple for the timer. Uh, and you can also equip swap boomerang to if you can't find a hook shot or something like skulls. Um, for for a long time, this was very much in debate, notably because uh, the uh, because of being able to equip swap sticks as adult uh, and skip the fire source. Um, this was mostly the, a lot of the reason it was wanted. Uh, now there's a new glitch that me, can kind of skip the requirement for that, uh, and so there there are still. A mixed bag of now that there's this new thing that allows you to do the equivalent of uh, sticks as, as adult, um, does that make it the equip swap more interesting to include or less interesting because it's now redundant? But that also means it gives another way to do something that if you happen to not like this other thing. So it's definitely something that I think will be uh, an interesting discussion. 
interesting is the most polite way I could think of it. Yeah, that was a lot more tame than, than some of the discussions around it. Um, yeah, I, I I really wanted to include this part in the podcast because Equip Stop, uh, we kind of gave it uh, a, a loving term of the no-no word because it, it had so many explosive arguments, as, as Dobby um, unironically had said. Um, for me, Equip Swap was a huge gate to competition. And for a lot of the reasons that Dobby was mentioning is that it skipped a lot more requirements than someone just entering the rule set would be able to do. And if you look at the inputs for Equip Swap, it doesn't look that bad, but it's extremely frame perfect. And yes, you can endlessly do it over and over with no fail. I mean, you can fail and essentially delete an item, maybe. But overall... The majority of the pros were it's something you can do repeatable and if you don't get it you'll still be able to do this through other means and for me skipping fire and magic um fire being the fire arrows or dins and magic to enter shadow was huge so around the time of when this had come out a new glitch came out, which is a 1.0 exclusive. It's not something you can do on um, VC, like the 1.2 version. So there are a lot of names. I think the formal name or the most correct one is called the Empty Jump Slash, but it's a form of a quick put-away glitch where as Link is falling off of a ledge on the first frame of fall, um, you put away the sword and jump slash at the same time. And it's all frame-perfect inputs. It's three consecutive frames. And um, yes, it's also something that is also endlessly repeatable. It's a lot easier, in my opinion, if you have hover boots, because you have a little bit more understanding of when you're about to fall to do the input. But that essentially, to me, broke Equip Swap, because that is what um, Deku Sticks as adult essentially does. You've stored a fire damage value, you can light all the torches in shadow. If you clip into child side, you can light the torches to get that small key chest. Um, there, that glitch in general, to me, broke the argument for it because now all of the other things that you can do with equip swap, I don't feel have as much value. I think the biggest contender would probably be hammer's child if you don't have explosives, but I don't know. Um, it, it's it's very difficult because I'm trying to be the most mindful of people coming into the community that look at this ocean of glitches and the amount of people that have all of this knowledge that they've obtained through a lot of practice and dedication and years of learning and just feel so intimidated. And Equip Swap, even though people may say it is easy, is still intimidating. So I'm not personally in favor of it. If you wanted to go into Shadow, just do the empty jump slash. And it is funny how this came out so recent throughout all of this this discussion and was actively used in the Blitz tournament that Cubs hosted because it was my worst nightmare coming to life. Um, and I participated in this race too. And I struggle a lot with the empty, empty jump slash technique. Some days I get it first try. Some days I get it 20. Sometimes I don't get it at all. and it's just frame perfect inputs that if you're not um, attuned to that muscle memory or you haven't done it enough times, it's it's something that is very tilting. 
because it's three inputs, but it's it's difficult. If you're not good at button mashing, you can pause buffer it, but I'm not good at either. So in this seed itself, um, we had light arrows and shadow, which were unhinted. So the way the blitz settings were is that you had um, light arrows on eight dungeons with seven dungeons as the requirement for Ganon's boss key, and then another copy of light arrows somewhere in the world. So it's your option if you'd rather just get the one on eight dungeons or you can find the other one in the world. And we had a hint for magic because there is a path of magic in this distribution. And it happened to be in shadow. So why it chose a magic locked magic to hint, I don't think I will ever know. But it was essentially the the dream of someone that is super glitch heavy to say i'm going to do the the new glitch and go into shadow without magic without any fire source and get the magic to beat the game because you only needed to beat seven dungeons and then you get the reward because the light arrows are also in shadow so in that sense it is kind of like the epitome of your glitch knowledge is really going to benefit you and that's also kind of why we have gone back and forth as a community of do we have a path of magic hint? Because what if it's in shadow? Now you can certainly get it and then have a free magic to use rather than trying to find a logical one that was locked behind spirit with Requiem on Ocarina of Time. So that that to me was kind of eye-opening in the way of the gate of entry. The first four people that finished the seed did like the top three Actually, no, Azure beat me. I was fourth. The top two people did the, the Swordless Jump Slash. Azure did Fire Air Entry. Then I did the Swordless Jump Slash, but just failed it a bunch. And then the, the next couple of people did not um, enter Shadow without a Fire Source and Magic. So, I don't know. There, there are a lot of pros and cons to both. Um, I'm trying to take the side of someone coming into this with no experience or little to no experience or try and keep it more accessible to those that have preferences, I guess, towards not trying to, to glitch everything possible and still want to enjoy the puzzle of the randomizer. Oh, and one thing, one thing just to add, because uh, I know Shiro knows, uh, but just for people listening who might not, um, when we refer to, to frame perfect for both those things, uh, there actually is a difference. Uh, the, the frame, equip swap is frame perfect on the menu, and so it actually is 1 30th of a second. Uh, whereas uh, uh, the empty jump slash is frame perfect within the game itself, uh, and so it's three frame perfect inputs at one twentieth second. Just to just in case you 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 weren't aware of those two glitches. Uh, so yeah, so in terms of how new glitches uh, when when uh, how they're like accepted within the community, typically you know the the, the easiest way is to compare to what exists what ex- is already there. Um, the notable version is this new empty jump slash where um, it's most comparable to quick put away uh, which is already allowed and you're not using it to clip into a dungeon you're not using it to clip into a boss room uh, and so the default would be that it would be allowed um, so that's kind of generally the, the 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 mechanism for is this okay or not is is taking a look at most importantly does it clip you into a dungeon does it clip you into a boss room and then otherwise what's it most like Right. And I think I, I mentioned this very early on into the episode, but 
the way that we look at new glitches as they're found is how they're relatable. So kind of how the empty jones slashes to QPA. If there's a new glitch that's found that's relatable to an existing glitch, whether it be a clip or a damage boost or other type of thing. If it's within the current bounds of the rule set, it's automatically allowed. We don't have a major discussion because we use a lot of terms that have been established from the speedrunning Discord. Um, like the document that was written from Glitchless on how to establish what is a clip, um, which came up recently in discussing the hookshot hook in MQ Forest behind the, I guess, ice block or the block itself. So if it falls within bounds of what we currently allow, it's not a BK skip. You enter the dungeon through an intended method, like you light the torches in shadow. Uh, there's no reason to ban it. And I think that's something that is a lot easier on the community, too, of not having to ask the question of, am I going to get DQ'd in a race for doing something like this? And kind of, I guess, the intention, right, Dobby, is it's not like no major glitches. It's a very defined list that if as long as you're not doing one of these six or seven things, anything's game. Correct. And yeah, exactly. It's it's there. There's, I think, like six, as as you mentioned, six or seven things that you can never do. And that's anywhere in the game. You're not allowed to do any of these things. Um, and then other than that, it's just it's very easy to just say, oh, did you clip into a dungeon? Did you clip into the last room? Nope. You're good. Yep. So it makes it a lot easier to kind of explain to someone that knows all the glitches in the world, too, of like, oh, when they ask, oh, can I do this? The answer is no. Like, here's your list of things that you can't do, but anything else is golden. Like, go right ahead. So it kind of appeals to to both ends in that sense, not just for someone newer. It's also for someone that's way more experienced, too, that wants to try and branch into this, that they have a good base to work with. You did also remind me something uh, I don't think we mentioned earlier. Uh, in terms of like the definitions, we do tend to use a lot of the definitions from like things like Bingo as well as the vanilla OT speedrunning community. Notably, we get that question a couple times for uh, why are you allowed to clip into uh, to use the cuckoo dive or whatnot into bottom of the well? Um, the reason for that is because we use the actual definition for our dungeon that is from the uh, Bingo community as well as the speedrunning community, and dungeon is any area that has a blue warp at the end. Uh, so notably, these include these all areas all have a blue warp, they all have a map, they all have a compass, and they all have skull tools, um, which is very convenient for bingo because you can assume those things. Um, oh, you're, do you're doing ice dirty. You're doing ice with the service. The ice is way more important than that. I'm sorry, but I, I have to. No blue warp. Right, T-Rex. <laughs> no blue warp. Sorry. Hey, I haven't, uh, I haven't campaigned once this episode for skipping Dampe, and I won't <laughs> mention it further, but it's a thing. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that might be the reason if you're wondering. So, that means that because they, they, they don't have a blue warp at the end, you are allowed to clip as much as you want into GGG, into Bottom of the Well, and into Ice Cavern. Uh, technically, it would also include um, Ganon's Castle, because that doesn't have a blue warp at the end. Uh, but that we also specifically mentioned, hey, don't like clip into the, the Ganon's boss room. All right. So uh, any final thoughts about uh, DDR, either for the tournament community, uh, any Shout outs that you would like to make for your community members or encourage new people to reach out. So at least in terms of the community, 
if uh, any of these settings or any of the discussion interested you, definitely reach out to us um, in DDR discussion in the Discord or DM either of us um, if you'd like to learn or get involved in any capacity. We do host weeklies every Saturday, currently at 11 a.m. Eastern. So if that is something that you want to branch into, uh, choose a bingo week. Um, we don't always do a regular race. We'll sometimes do a community bingo where we all share the same bingo board and we'll look for either two or three blackouts um, per square, depending on how many people have joined. And you can also roll a seed with whatever settings you want. Uh, we do recommend having maps and compasses enabled and in the dungeon or somewhere in the world because that can be a bingo square, um, as well as physically Ganon's boss key. But you could do like whatever tricks you want. We've had people do MQ. We've had people do entrance randomizer, like whatever floats your boat, all are welcome. We highly encourage new people to reach out to us. And if you're ever on the fence, um, we're more than happy to talk to you about it. And definitely be involved in the community poll that will be coming out for both changing the weekly time. So if Saturdays at 11 don't work for you, we're probably going to take a new poll, um, quick pulse check with the group, see if there's a time that would work better. I know that Standard is also doing that for the EU Weekly recently, so we'll also be doing that. And then also stay tuned for the actual settings survey. So for Season 2, I don't know if we'll do it probably before the podcast release or around this time, but be on the lookout for the survey feedback. So catch up on all 21 pages of the document we wrote on potential Whoa. settings changes. <laughs> 21 and... pages! Yeah. Well, that's that's huge. Look at the pretty graphs. There are a lot of graphs. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm down with uh, graphs. You know me. Yeah. yeah. Look, look at the pretty pictures, Emo. It's all good. Um, yeah. yeah. Shira was very happy to have that I made graphs so she could critique them like I critiqued uh, Shira's writing. Yes. Uh... <laughs> Listen, English is my primary language, but that doesn't mean I'm good at it, okay? I'm not, I'm not an English teacher. <laughs> well, neither am I. I mean... Yeah, but you haven't had Dobby rip apart all of your announcements, so then we'll talk when he does that. Yeah, yeah, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. But at yeah. least this time, uh, I changed it without telling you because I had edit access. Yeah, I've learned my lesson. It just took a long time to get there. But yeah, we, we hope that um, we've at least uh, debunked a lot of the myths regarding DDR and the gate to entry. Because there really is none. I think it's a, a a perception of an invisible gate that is only yourself blocking your progression and growth. And we're more than happy to help lead you through. And you know that invisible gate that's there? It's not leading to a dungeon. It's not leading to a boss room. You can clip right through it. We're there to help you clip through it. <laughs> um, and on for my on my uh, front, uh, having started out with this rule set with, with Golden to see it introduced and grow, it's been an absolute pleasure to see uh, people take this and run with it and enjoy it and love it and uh, accept it as what they want to do on their Saturday mornings instead of, you know, whatever else people want to do. Uh, so it's been an absolute pleasure for me to see this and to see the community grow for this. So thank you for everyone uh, within the community and uh, without who has been there to help support. All right. That will do it for this week on the podcast. Thank you so much to Shiro and Dobby for joining us. I had a fantastic time. I think we all learned a lot. Um, 
about, well, I'll say we all learned a lot, you two knew already, but me and Emo certainly learned a lot about DDR. Um, and we got through this entire episode without saying Dance Arts Revolution. So that's a. <laughs> well, we did until no then. Well, I mean, until now, of course. Until but now, sure. but it's fine. The episode's finished. So this is this is the outro. It's not part of the episode. This is just the standard default, right? So uh, we, we made it. Congratulations, everyone. We avoided the meme. Um, so yeah, massive thank you to Shiro Dog for joining us. Um, many thanks to Emo for joining me as my wonderful co host who walked in from the pub just before we started recording. Yep, I'm um, a little bit sobered up now, but I'm still a little bit wild, you know? <laughs> you get me? You feel me? <laughs> well, you know, th- this plenty can happen post-podcast, you know? We'll see where we go. Uh, but thanks to Ronan Recordings and Winnie Demon, as always, our editor and scriptwriter behind the scenes, respectively, uh, doing an amazing job. We couldn't do it without them. So thanks to everyone, and we will see you all next time on the Gossip Stone Podcast. <laughs>